0: In present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjectives to be named later. The Homestarmy proudly presents Trekwest Five, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. Trekwest Five is brought to you in part by RocketWebDesign.com, custom web design at template website prices. Designs by DD.Blogspot.com, your online home for all your digital scrapbooking needs. Need a home along the Wasatch Front? Contact Lisa DeBagere with Kirkham & Friends Real Estate. No one will work harder for your home. And thehomestarmie.com, blogging to the world since 2004. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good afternoon and welcome to Podcast 127. I am Peter. And I am Joey. And uh, Aaron, welcome. The intern uh, has uh, decided to grace us and we appreciate him. It's going to be awesome. Because he's here Okay It is Alright I'll right. I'm. I'll, I'll take your
1: word for it Yes Aaron No expectations But you better bring it Because Pete has said It's going to be awesome Because you're here
2: Yeah Well it's a nice wrap up Because I was here On the original Like the, the, the first one To ever actually make it Past the You know You losing everything Were you? I don't think you were Was it?
0: No You were our first guest I think Wasn't he? Could have been Could have been He's been, he's been useful, <laughs> critical, dare I say it, to, uh, to the podcast. Um, it, uh, it, this is Saturday, by the way, um, this isn't Friday because Joey apparently wasn't feeling too well. Yeah, I
1: got a nice little 24-hour flu. You know My family passed it around among, amongst ourselves, and I happened to come down with it right on Thursday night. so it's, it's good that your family shares
0: as yes. much as they do. <laughs> now, I, I, because of that, I, I was a bit concerned. And so, did you bring me a barf bag or something? It, it uh, it's not a barf bag per oh, it's se, a bucket. but okay. it is a pot here. So if you could just go ahead and keep that over by you, <laughs> it's not a chamber pot, sir.
2: <laughs> is he gonna pass it around? Are we like not stopping until this is over?
0: <laughs> you will
2: get those demons out of you now. Uh,
0: anyway, Actually for him, it's mercy. <laughs> you are feeling better yes yes yeah. much much better probably better. over it um and what a rough uh, day it's been like crazy like oh, rain man. and sleet yeah. and snowstorm uh but we're here and uh, uh I- i'm excited and i had uh political stuff all
1: morning long and then i screwed up my son's pinewood derby car like 20 minutes before we're supposed to weigh it in so i had to <laughs> run out and buy new wheels for the pinewood derby car it's just been it's been a crazy day Glad, glad to be here. This is
0: this is, this is is going to make it all worthwhile. Yeah, this is going to be the Babylon 5 series wrap-up, plus what you call original mandate wrap-up. Up. Yeah, I don't know what else to call it. I, mean, I don't was... know. I don't
2: know either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why don't we get started then, if we don't have any introductions or business, Facebook Find of the Week. Facebook Find of the Week is going to go to Carbonite Man for the In
1: Memoriam of... Uh, in memory of Andreas Katsulas.
0: Oh, okay. What well, uh way, way to go Carbonite man. You really stretched yourself there. I think he I think he did that on purpose just so he could win Facebook <laughs> Find of the week. Well, I had not seen that video before. So I really enjoyed getting to see it put
1: together like that. Uh so, you know, most of Jakar's best lines in there. And the way they actually strung it together so that it looked like it was a consistent story even. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed
0: well, it. Well, when you went to the YouTube link, you could actually read the guy who put it together apparently did so under the direction of... Straczynski Straczynski. Yeah. So it, I, I think the guy, you know, knew what he was doing. So, but, you know, good on him. Yeah, it I, I, d- I
1: do have to say that uh, if we had a Facebook comment of the week award, it would definitely go to Listener Psy <laughs> for his response to the Jay-Z story. Um, you know, I had I mentioned that... I thought the exact same thing, but Psy beat me to it. And in fact, Aaron even thought that I was the one who made the comment because that's so much. I just exactly how I would have put
0: it. Well, well put. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, okay, let's go to Brainy Smurf. Okay. <clears throat> he says Hello to the beloved Brain Nation. As your ambassador to the dark side, I am proud to announce the assertion of our new overlord to the throne of Druplets. Drumroll please. Kappa, John of the House Medson. <laughs> Your vigilant exemplary example remains a commendable inspiration as a testament to the loyalty and honor and droopets that we aspire to achieve. Happy Coronation Day to our leader. I, I think that's just because John laughed at the <laughs> And then wouldn't refuse to explain what it meant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And now for a very special nook. We have a guest speaker. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is out of control, man. (laughs) Get out of here. You're reading that. So for this week's Brainy's Nook of Darkness...
2: um, I figured since it was a guest speaker, you'd want somebody else. A guest (laughs) reader voice.
0: Here would be an abridged essay, often referred to as his Manifesto, written by Ronald D. Moore... Writer of Tapestry, The Defector, Relics, and countless amazing TNG episodes. He got the bag rolling for BSG with this essay. Uh, Eddie uh, Eddie Almos said that he would have never done the show if his wife had not forced him to read these words. So here they are. The full text is available on the BSG wiki. He provides a link, but I'm not going to bother to read that link right
2: now. Will you link to it? We can can click you post it? this? Just click it right now.
0: Maybe.
1: <laughs> Just tap the paper.
0: <laughs>
2: there you go. Okay, we're going to read that. <laughs>
0: uh, Battlestar Galactica, naturalistic science fiction, or taking the opera out of space opera? Our goal is nothing less than the reinvention of the science fiction television series. We take as a given the idea that the traditional space opera, with its stock characters techno-double-talk, bumpy-headed aliens, thespian histrionics, and empty heroics has run its course, and a new approach is required. That approach is to introduce realism into what was heretofore been an aggressively unrealistic genre. Call it naturalistic science fiction. This idea, the presentation of a fantastical situation in naturalistic terms, will permeate every aspect of our series. Visual. The first thing that will leap out at the viewers is the dynamic use of the documentary, or cinema variety style. Though the extensive use of handheld cameras, practical lighting, and functional set design, the Battlestar Galactica will feel on every level like a real place. This shift in tone and look cannot be overemphasized. It is our intention to deliver a show that does not look like any other science fiction series ever produced. A casual viewer should for a moment feel like he or she has accidentally surfed into a 60 minutes documentary piece about life aboard an aircraft carrier until someone starts talking about Cylons and Battlestars. We will eschew the usual stories about parallel universes, time travel, mind control, Evil twins, godlike powers, and all other cliches of the genre. Our show is first and foremost a drama. It is about people, real people that the audience can identify with and become engaged in. It is not a show about hardware or bizarre alien creatures. It is a show about us. It is an allegory for our own society, our own people and it should be in immediately recognizable to any member of the audience science our spaceships don't make noise because there is no noise in space sound will be provided from sources inside the ships the whine of an engine audible to the pilot for instance our fighters are not airplanes and they will not be shackled by the conventions of world war two dogfights the speed of light is a law, and there will be no moving violations. And finally, character. This is perhaps the biggest departure from the science fiction norm. We do not have the cocky guy, the fast talker, the brain, the wacky alien sidekick, or any of the other unusual characters who populate a space series. Our characters are living, breathing people with all the emotional complexity and contradictions present in quality dramas like The West Wing or The Sopranos. In this way, we hope to challenge our audience in ways that other genre pieces do not. We want the audience to connect with the characters of Galactica as people. Our characters are not superheroes. They are not an elite. They are everyday people caught up in an enormous cataclysm and trying to survive it as best they can. They are you and me. So say we all, Ronald Dean Moore.
1: Interesting. I'd like to hear from fans of Battlestar Galactica how well they feel he adhered to that in the actual production of his show.
2: They did. Okay. They absolutely did. Really? I heard a bunch of stuff in there that... Such like as? No, like, uh, no evil twins? Where's the evil twin? There's a bunch of Cylons running around that look like people. Oh. <laughs> multiple, multiple ones of them. Some that decide to yeah. side with the humans, some that don't.
1: There are a couple things in there that I have not watched Battlestar Galactica, but in talking to people, I have heard what I would consider some violations of the principles he laid out there. <clears throat> but I haven't watched it myself, so I'm, yeah. not, I'm trying to suspend judgment.
0: I, I, I'm going to say that the uh, evil twins that is uh, talking about there is the, the Spock evil twin you know from the original series you know none of that
2: weird goofy stuff yeah no data lore um but there is a perfect data lore comparison in there one of them is a one part of one of her copies sides with the humans and the other copy sides with the cylons i don't know i well, th- you know what? They um, switch back and forth and in, in place, and-
0: Brainy. It would appear that uh, the intern is throwing down the gauntlet on you, <laughs> so you better step up and uh, either slap him down or bow to his knowledge. I, I do find the the principles set out very admirable, and I think that I, I think I'd say that
1: a lot of what he talks about there I find in Babylon Five. I, you know, I I think that you know I, one of the things I liked about Straczynski is that. He said from the outset, this is not Star Trek. We have not solved all the problems of humanity and now we're traveling out in space. Everything we are now, we took with us into outer space. We have alcoholism, we have you know, abuse, we have hatred, we have anger, we have money shortages. All the things that we have in our world today, we're not gonna change in the next 200 years. Not that dramatically. It's all going with us to outer space.
0: He is a coward for not being willing to change.
1: (laughs) Actually, his point is, if we wait until we're perfect to try to reach
0: for the stars, we'll never get there.
3: Hmm.
0: Interesting. Interesting. We should check out more of this Babylon 5. (laughs) Uh, Alright,
1: Joey, let's have a Joey's Culture Corner. Uh, For Joey's Culture Corner, we're going to talk about the Belgariad and the Malarian by David Eddings. This is two quintets, fantasy quintets. Um, I am, I'm a huge fan of them. The, the premise is, it's your standard science fiction or fantasy fair, I'd say. You have the, the character who doesn't know who his parents are, and he's kind of the messianic figure, and he has to learn to control his powers, and then go fight the evil god and destroy him and bring peace and, and harmony to all of humanity. Uh, the thing I really like about David Eddings, the way David Eddings wrote this series, is, the races and the nations that he portrays within the context of the book they all have a very real character to them so there's as you go into a new country there's they have their own personality and they're very internally consistent without being direct lifts of some european society so you don't have oh yeah these are the germans and these are the irish and you know you have I Actually I actually don't mind that. I don't mind it, but I enjoyed that he was able to do a whole new society and yet, still keep it with the same kind of internal consistency. Okay. I would expect out of lifting sure. the real stuff. Okay. You know?
0: Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: they're 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 really enjoyable, and I also like that there's a lot of lore tied into them. You can go really deep. He, he actually fleshed out how the magic system works, and you know he's
0: he's very internally consistent in that way as well. Now you mentioned lore. Um, is that where we get lore from, data and lore? Yes. You have Laura and you have data.
1: Laura's is <laughs> not real necessarily. Data is real. But I give it a thumb up. I, I enjoy these books. Uh, recommend them. They're, they're pretty light reading. I think I read them for the first time when I was in fifth grade. So you should be able to tear through them pretty quick. Wow, are they short books? Like really thin, uh, skinny books? No, they're not. Not terribly thin, but they're. I mean, they're not. They're not hard to read. Okay. They're written for a young adult audience. But they're longer. Okay. Uh, if you've ever read the Chronicles of perdane by Lloyd Alexander, I'd kind of
0: put them in the same family. No? Okay. Well, maybe some of our listeners have. And, <laughs> well, and that, you and you that have. example was, you know, probably just helped them out. They are like, oh, wow, that was really awesome. I'll check, out, <laughs> check this out. <laughs> for me, not, not meant so, nothing. Not so <laughs> helpful. <laughs> Look, I still think you're great. All right, I'm right. in favor of Joey. There. Me. I've said it. All right, uh, I guess moving on to our Babylon 5 series wrap-up. Yep. Where we talk about everything related to the entire series. Um, what we liked, what we hated, and what made us sick. <laughs> there were some of those. <laughs> some of each. Yes. <laughs> All right, let, uh, I, you and I previously discussed we should probably do the listener comments yes, first. first. Yes, yeah? yep. So I've got, uh, we've got five... Wow. No, six. Six with my friend John Madsen, okay. who would send in of uh, a, a audio uh, offering. Where do you want to go? Do you want to do John, my Let's friend do John John's Madsen? do last so that John. I can respond to his, because I'm prepared to respond to those already. So. Okay. All right. So, uh, what do you want to do first? I'm holding an iPad, and I've got some, some print-offs over Let's here. Let's do the
1: bottom email
0: from the print-offs. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That is not the bottom email Pete <laughs> alright fine we'll do the bottom one since that's what you want to do I just—I uh, was just telling the audience what we were laughing at <laughs> this may be the longest email by the way uh, this is from listener Bob oh great yes. I, see I chose well yeah
3: <laughs>
1: because all of the others would have been just crap way to go dude way to go I'm saying no matter what choice I made I would have been able to make that claim <laughs>
0: Oh, just show yourself out of that. <laughs> okay. Hi, fellas. SpongeBob sent in a season wrap-up, so I thought I would do the series wrap-up. I hope this makes up for my absence over the past six months or so. Yeah, I think so. Sure, sure. We'll forgive you. This um, I- time. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start with some good news. Netflix has arrived in the U.K., so, we don't have to go to dodgy sites to receive our TV fix.
3: <laughs> I
0: hope it eventually gets a library like the one in the US. It is well worth a subscription fee. In addition, we also watched The Babylon 5 The Lost Tales, the one film we had not seen. From what I have read, they spent $2 million on it, and the effects and music showed. They had an orchestra, and the station looked beautiful. In fact, all the special effects looked awesome, which is not hard when you compare them to the series. It, made, it really made such a difference. I think that despite not, being, uh, not bringing too much to the mythology, this is my favorite movie. It is a standalone and had a real feel of some old friends getting back together again. I found that aspect heartwarming. To see Bruce Boxleitner really enjoying himself playing Sheridan again after five to seven years away from the role, was nice and both Boxleitner and Tracy Scoggins both aging remarkably well Joey how can you hate Lockley Uh, Joey how can you hate Lockley is beyond me she was put in a difficult position and does well okay shame on you (laughs) it's about time someone called him out on that anyway on to the series wrap up and he's got a write up for each one of the seasons oh good Uh, Season 1, I have seen a trait with most sci-fi shows that the first season is always ropey. (laughs) I mean, all the Star Trek shows had terrible first seasons. The only exceptions are Firefly and Heroes. Well, Firefly had one season. Babylon 5 was the same, though, I think. I will show amnesty towards it. It was worth suffering through as uh, suffering through it, as the subsequent seasons did improve immeasurably. Commander Sinclair was a character that was out of place. Looking at the series as a whole, you can see now uh, that he didn't fit in the role as the commander of a space station. I really think it was the fact that we didn't buy him as an action hero, a role which he played a lot of during his solitary season. I really do wonder how the show would have panned out if Sinclair had remained on the show, I have read the alternate story breakdown, but it really does warrant discussion on the podcast. The obvious favorite episode for the season is Babylon Squared, but I also did enjoy The Parliament of Dreams, mainly because it showed the diversity of the human race, something generally ignored by other sci-fi shows. Season 2, a season which should have shown uh, which should have seen the show go full steam ahead is temporarily knocked back a peg. Due to the introduction of Sheridan, while ultimately it was the right choice, it took far too long for the story to get back into gear. The coming of shadows, I think, was the turning point for the entire series for me. This episode is what set everything in action. Essentially, uh, everything everything in action essentially made it the Jakar and Londo show. I'm not (laughs) sure how this show would have survived without them. I totally agree with that it would have yeah. been crap. <laughs> JMS managed to cram so much into the last 13 episodes of the season, including Garibaldi f- falling for a tomboy Gropo, yet it didn't feel like he wanted to tell so much more. Yet it didn't felt yet it felt like he wanted to tell so much more. I really get this feeling that season 2 was meant to be bigger than it eventually was. That said, there are many standout episodes such as the Coming of Shadows In the Shadow of Zaha Doom and Divided Loyalties all which made this season so enjoyable but for me two episodes put a blot on the season Gropos and Confessions and Lamentations okay. both which let the side down heavily I mean I don't like palate cleanser episodes they are necessary when you have a long arcs but those two were not well written episodes oh and altogether now one, two, three. Passo <laughs> 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 Season three. Dare I say it, this was my favorite season. I really think it is. It takes a lot of stuff to introduce a full-blown conspiracy in the midst of impending war and a love story. But JMS goes and does just that. Throw in a bit of time travel back to season one, and you have a ball game. Season three reminds me a lot of the Emperor's The Empire Strikes Back. It ends very much on a gloomy note, where there is no hope with and with Sheridan falling to his seeming death. Even Ivanova's opening narration is negative. The one shining light is a Brit who is chipper than a carpenter <laughs> and can charm the pants off of many a willing lady. No, I'm not talking about listener sigh or myself. <laughs> but rather Marcus Cole. I think it was great to have the perspective of a ranger, as well as the crew, and it laid very solid foundations for what the rangers are and believe in. I do not like to think uh, of them as warrior monks. Marcus brought a humor which I think was required as the plotline got more serious. I think as Londo and Jakar's characters developed, it became more difficult for them to be more comedic. Marcus brought some of that back with Dr. Love, and in some cases with Ivanova. As I mentioned before, there are multiple story arcs in this season, which are all well-balanced. Obvious favorites are War Without End, Interludes and Examinations, which was my personal favorite, and three-parter surrounding the uh, the Earth Martial Law story. Regarding Interludes and Examinations, For me, it was the biggest payoff as the Shadow War had been building up for over a season. As good as War Without End is, as a story, especially with the throwbacks to Season 1, Interludes and Examinations has Kosh dying. It was a bit like Obi-Wan dying in Star Wars, or Gandalf in Fellowship of the Ring. He was Sheridan's guide, and now he was gone. And the way the Shadows killed him as, as well was heartbreaking. For me, it is a front-runner for moment of the series, as it is so profound. Yeah. Yes, this is a season which had Grey 17 is missing. <laughs> yes, it had Dr. Love go on Walkabout. But for what it offered on a sci-fi and television level, it is up there as a great one for me. Oh, and how could I forget Zaha Doom? I think the cliffhanger was a bit spoiled, as there are five seasons of a show... But still, good fun. Season 4. I think Season 4 had the potential of being better than Season 3. But the threat of cancellation ruined a satisfying conclusion to the Shadow War. On ma- One major sticking point is the show uh, is called Babylon 5. Yet, I would say a third of the action during this season takes place on Mars. I thought that's where Season 3 had a balance between storylines. This season was far too crammed and nothing got a satisfying ending. There are too many wars going on, too many fronts, and seriously, the end of the Shadow War was so anticlimactic and cringeworthy. I forgot, he didn't really care for the way that got wrapped up. Yeah. Which...
1: I I mean, yes, it did get time compressed a lot, but I like the way it ends. You you know, certainly I would have loved to have more of it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, am I the only person who found Garibaldi's change in character to be dull? It was only JMS if only JMS was given the time to resolve everything properly. I guess that is television. Actually, I think we would have just ended up having more Mars conversations, <laughs> and nobody wants that. <laughs> I did like the episode Endgame though, just for Sheridan's line in which. Uh, which is used in the season five credits. Season five. Sadly, the show did end with a bit of a whimper. Through listening to the podcast, I understand that Lita's storyline was meant to be given to Ivanova, which makes so much sense. It's sad that Claudia Christian left before a fifth season was confirmed. Again, I think this season suffers from the decisions made by the networks rather than JMS, although he is culpable. I find everything to be such a mess, even though all plot strands are tied together fairly loosely. However, the final episode was a lovely send-off. It was genuine and touching, and probably the right note to do it on. I just want to add something about the music. I have been listening to the score over the past few days, and the score itself is pretty good. I think, I think the synth stuff in the show is abysmal, but the sweeping scores that Christopher Frank composed and is performed by the berlin symphony orchestra is a joy to listen to there is a suite from uh, sleeping in light which is brilliant as is some of the great themes surrounding the shadow war Mm -hmm. i agree yeah okay now he's going to go into his overall wrap up okay
1: by the way he mentioned you know a lot of shows have terrible first seasons and they get stronger as they go on. I don't think that's necessarily restricted to science fiction either. I find that with a lot of TV shows. And it makes you wonder how good could Firefly have been?
0: Save that conversation. (laughs) Save that conversation. (laughs) It's a good question. Very good question. Okay. Overall wrap up. Overall, Babylon 5 was a wonderful show. Do I prefer it to Star Trek DS9? No. Yeah, I didn't think he would. Although I'm not a DS9 guy. I've never watched it all the way through. So, Would I watch it again? Probably not. I think what is missing is the sense of fun that was in DS9. Okay. Uh, series wrap-up list. Best character. Jakar. Was it going to be anyone else? <laughs> I mean, come on. Hated character. Morden. A more despicable man you cannot find. And that whole burnt look was oh, way yes. creepy. <laughs> was awesome. Didn't we talk about how we wish that he would have like peeled off some of his skin and then just, like, like eating, eating it? it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. In my memory, I, I, he just does that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not convinced it was the right thing to do yes. there. I mean, that just takes him to the super crazy level. <laughs> which is what he was, you know, that's what yeah. was happening yeah, to Yeah, no, him. I agree. Um, okay, uh, Hot Chick. <sighs> Ivanova, political affairs lady, Lockley, Lita, though she gets weird towards the end. (laughs) There really isn't much of a selection to choose from. Not sure who. Okay. Best episode. Interludes and examinations. Seeing these shadows take uh, take our kosh was nuts. Worst episode. Oh, gosh. Too many to choose from. (laughs) Generally something from season five, or Into the Fire from Season 3, which saw the damp end to the Shadow War or Grow pose. <laughs> you're just cringing over there. How <laughs> <laughs> can he put Into the Fire is
1: one of the worst episodes? Yes, I get you didn't like the ending, but worst episode?
0: Like, it's up there with Season 5 stuff? I don't know, I, I can kind of see what you're saying. I didn't care for the line of, Will we be alone? You know, these massive... Amazing races like Afraid of the dark Afraid of what's beyond the rim I don't know Anyway It's his list He can say what he it wants is his list You're right Favorite bit part Galen the Techno Mage
3: mm-hmm.
0: I'd kind of forgotten about him But that voice is pretty cool That uh, that, that guy has you, yeah. you, you can't fault the guy at all I, yeah. I liked it Person I want to have a drink with Non-alcoholic of course Veer the guy is a dude. <laughs> Favorite guest star. Walter Koenig. Legend. Favorite storyline. The Shadow War. Apart from the end. <laughs> Funniest <laughs> moment. Uh, breakfast prank in Babylon Square. Mm, it yes, was cute. I love that one. It's <laughs> not that funny. I think it's hilarious. And the Babylon 5 mantra. Ivanova is always right. Okay. Worst moment, Byron and Lita getting jiggy. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Favorite moment, Jakar wanting to buy Londo a drink after Londo orders an attack on Narn. Mm -hmm. That is good. Totally heartbreaking, and set the wheels in motion for the next two years. Well, it is the end of an era. I'm not sure whether SpongeBob, SpongeBob will send her own email... I'm sure she will, and also subject me to re-watch the entire series sometime later this year. Roll on, Studio 60, take care. Listener Bob. But we're not over with Listener Bob. Okay. He then sent in two other uh, additional emails that said... uh, First one said, Can I also add as a moment uh, of the season where Delenn engages the Earth fleet with her speech about... Only one Earth captain has engaged the Mimbari fleet and survived. He is behind me. You are in front of me. Be somewhere else if, if you, you value, value your, your lives. Yeah. Best line ever. <laughs> uh, and then his uh, last email was, Also, Dust to Dust from Season 3 is a standout episode. Okay, uh, Bob, thanks very much. Yeah, to, absolutely. That was a long email to read, <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed reading it. So Okay, we've got three emails over here. We've got one, two, and three. Three. Three is in my right hand the one I'm reading okay once again acquiescing to your wishes <laughs> do a little um,
3: dance while you read it <laughs> show some
0: leg there Pete
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> doesn't
0: that's, that's, I have the prettiest leg for a fella that's a, that's a beautiful calf my friend <laughs> feel so violated okay spongebob oh great we yeah. did get an email from her i was wondering we, we yeah we book into the the bobs here or uh, put them next to each other one way or the other uh babby five and the beard <laughs> i would like to take the opportunity of the series wrap-up to explore a subject close to everyone's heart the manly beard there has been a lot of chat about men's facial hair, and as a man's facial hair is analogous to his virility and hotness, I will use my email to discuss hot beards as opposed to hot chicks.
2: <laughs> that's why you grew a beard, isn't it? I uh, was yeah. thinking the same thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm trying to steal her away from Bob. Don't let Bob know. <laughs> this this, this oh. was why i to catch up to you. <laughs> uh, no, to be fair, I grew the beard because it's really cold night (laughs) to built in warmer anyway she continues a couple of podcasts ago peter squealed at a comment by the bare naked face of his understudy joey about the manliness slash handsomeness of his beard while yes you are correct peter that you sport a fine crop of man whiskers one that is to be admired, if I say so myself. <laughs> the squealing like a girl on a podcast lost you man points. Wear your manhood with pride, dear Peter, and don't let the taunts of those razor fiends shake your inner manly core. On to our illustration, uh, illustrious show and the manhood on show. Commander Sinclair was not blessed with the gift of facial hair. It seemed doubtful that he had the ability even to grow a Saddam-esque mustache. Which, by the way, is not manly. Mustache screams wife-beater, evil dictator, and greasy personality. Please avoid gentlemen at all costs. I I can believe this. I I have first-hand evidence. I grew a mustache for a little while. Everybody called me a pedophile.
2: It was handlebar
0: mustache. Handlebar mustache. That one might be the exception, I think. Uh, SpongeBob, you should uh, tell us if uh, if that's the case. Uh, She continues. He therefore did not capture the hearts and minds of most Baby Five devotees and was axed for the box. I didn't see it at first. I have to admit, my guilt was too great to see the potential of our illuminated Captain Sheridan. So I focus on other beautitious men who graced our screens. Firstly, the fine rabbi, who sported a lush but tamed beard, and also carried with him religious authority and genteel spirit. And of course, Marcus. Marcus is not the uh, one that I usually admire. I find it is a half that it is half a beard, a beard that wants to grow and be virile and strong, but bends to the pressure of society, and lacks the strength to stand up to women who do not appreciate man for being man. He did, of course, fall in love with a lesbian latent telepath. Uh, So I suppose to win her, he had to feminize himself in some form. Still, if I were to see... (laughs) All right. <laughs> you okay?
2: She really likes the beard <laughs> no, I, I just
1: Wow, okay
2: <laughs> I made, You made me lose my place here uh, That seems see. fitting
0: <laughs> Still, if I were to see Marcus I would tell him to move on Find a woman who, did, who Not only appreciates your true manhood But also wouldn't mind you Chatting with, uh, with that Alarmingly charming English accent and could even overlook your feminine tendencies. If I had a poster of him as a high schooler, he would have made it to the inside of my locker, yes. But as a full-grown woman, perhaps not. And finally, to the man of the hour, Captain Sheridan. Over time, and perhaps with a little love and encouragement from that feminine mystique that is Delenn, our beloved and good captain finally let his facial hair grow. I'm not talking about that politically correct tease of a goatee. I am referring to that full masculine and handsome beard he sports with so much dignity and air of distinguishedness in the last episodes. Mm-hmm. It was a true thing of beauty and only made me long for more Babby Five. There is one beard that I didn't like before uh, everyone accuses me of bias, and that was the beard of Lorian. Too scraggly. Oh. You would think that in all the time that he had been alive, he would have learned how to take care of it. Give me some (laughs) clippers and a comb. I cannot compare uh, TNG or West Wing beards and their hotness. I suspect that there were alarmingly few manly whiskers on the show for those programs, with the exception of Toby and maybe a terrorist or two, perhaps. And Riker. Uh I do not uh mean to actually Data had a beard too.
2: Yeah? Love <laughs> I Data's it beard.
0: <laughs> Great line. <laughs> I do not <laughs> I do not mean to cause any offense to those naked faces who might be listening. Please forgive me if I uh if I do, but for far too long men in our society have become downcast pushed aside and forced to hide their manliness, except behind closed doors. (laughs) To the few men who have the pride to wear beards, I salute you, wherever you are. Uh, My moment of the series, the goodbye between Delenn and Sheridan, was a beautiful and touching scene. Not everyone will have the blessed experience of being married to their soulmate and finding in another one who is their sky, sun, and moon. It was such a touching moment and so beautifully written. For me, a major part of Babylon 5 were the characters and their lives, and I felt this was a satisfying end to two of the most treasured folks on the show. I look forward to hearing everyone's thoughts on all other aspects of the show. Hee hee ha ha winky face. <laughs> I didn't know how to
2: properly read that, so Okay. Yeah. You can wink at the microphone (laughs) wink yeah better I believe that's the correct I I think that was
1: what she intended
0: (laughs) have a lovely weekend guys and I look forward to the next show all the best Spongebob takes a real confident man to say wink in that (laughs) tone
2: yeah but he's got the beard so
0: (laughs) yeah that's true I do have the beard Uh, okay Joey Uh, one or two two Uh, this is uh, Brandy Smurf. Okay. He says, I will keep my words uh, brief this week. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to save all of this because he really only makes the one comment about Babylon 5. So I'm going to save that. Okay. I'm going to save that one. We'll move that to... Yeah, move Brandy Smurf. Up. Yeah, he's going to be in run. up. Jo- okay, Joey. One. One? One. No, wait, wait, wait. Go with one. Okay. Good choice. Uh listener money bags. <laughs> Aaron's shaking his head in disgust at us. <laughs> uh, hey guys, it seems just like yesterday that I proposed the foreshadowing air horn. So <laughs> The number of times that I watched you go uh. <laughs> Uh, way too many in my life as far as I'm concerned.
2: I gotta say I miss the bell that had no real meaning.
0: <laughs> where is that bell? It's right there. It is sitting right over there in, the, in a place of honor next to a sculpture of Jesus praying. Uh, that's really where it belongs. Yes. <laughs> Two dead icons.
1: (laughs) Oh,
3: no! (laughs) Jesus, last
2: again! (laughs) No, no, we're keeping that so everyone can see, can be properly ashamed of you.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) golly well I'm going to start his email over again okay hey guys it seems just like yesterday that I proposed the foreshadowing air horn sorry for my absence but work has been crazy and season 5 was less than compelling of course I managed to miss most of the good episodes which were clumped at the end I have to say that while I still think Babylon 5 is a good series it did not impress me nearly as much this time around first of uh, of course, is the fact that nothing was new to me this time. That isn't the fault of the show. Second, the first time I watched Babylon 5, Star Trek, the original series, and TNG, was my only exposure to sci-fi on TV. I still hold that Babylon 5 is better than either of those offerings. But since then, I've seen Firefly, Lost, the first few seasons at least, Walking Dead, the BSG reboot, and more that is all considerably better than Babby 5. That isn't the fault of the show either. Babylon 5 was groundbreaking, and as such it has been improved upon, which is the way it should be. But for some reason, the show's flaws were just more apparent to me this time around. The first time I was shocked that people criticized the quality of the acting. Garibaldi and Ivanova were two of my favorite characters. I thought Sinclair was a little wooden, and I preferred Sheridan. But I didn't hate him. I didn't even mind season 5. The only things I remember disliking were a couple of season 1 episodes, and the monster of the week plot is Grey 17 is missing. I didn't even mind TKO. Wow. This time <laughs> around, I get what people were talking about. Michael O'Hare was terrible. Jerry Doyle was terrible in the beginning, and by the time he improved, they ruined his character in Seasons 4 and 5. Claudia Christensen, uh, Christian wasn't very good either. Plot arcs that seemed epic before seemed like they were over before they started. The Shadow War was over in the blink of an eye after two and a half seasons of build-up. And I watched an episode a day, um, episode a day the first time I watched the show. So watching four episodes a week wasn't the cause, but the awesome uh, parts were still awesome. jacquard Londo, Delenn. I liked Bruce Boxleitner better this time around, and Severed Dreams is still one of my favorite episodes of TV ever. This, in my opinion, is the bottom line. TNG might be more cons- uh, might be of more consistent quality. But in the end, it's a series of episodes. The story that comprises Babylon 5, despite all its flaws, is more than the sum of its episodes. That, in my opinion, makes Babylon 5 the better show.
1: I I love the way he put that. That, That's absolutely great.
0: It is. And, you know, we always have to keep
1: in mind, especially on this podcast, that what we're doing here is we're watching things critically and analytically, right? That's one of the points of this podcast is to analyze our, our sources of entertainment and to actually put some thought into them and it's harder to enjoy something you know simply when you're analyzing it and so you, the because you're you're in sure. an analysis mode the rough spots are rougher the the bad parts are so just seem a little bit worse because you're actually weighing them and measuring them against each other and things like that but I I, I really like the way he put it there is that this was a, such a new concept in television of this long arc in a science fiction show, where you miss a couple episodes and you might have missed major plot points, mm. and you know now it's it's kind of the norm, and, and we have to give Babylon Five a lot of respect for what it did there.
0: Okay, let's all. Uh... Whatever you're doing right now, guys, if you wouldn't mind getting down and genuflecting t- towards the Babylon 5. Towards Epsilon 3. Epsilon 3, <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah, show some respect, everybody. Okay. Um, you ready to move into our list? No. Oh, my friend John Matson sent oh, in right. a recording. Right. We, uh, we need to listen to that.
4: Hi, Trackless 5. It's Pete's friend John Manson calling, apologizing for not being able to put together my... Fifty unanswered questions of Babylon Five. I'll try to make it up by uh, providing fifty unanswered questions for Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention just a couple things really quick that I wanted to go over just in general for Babylon Five. I will say the show peaked season three. Uh, I think a lot of people would say uh, season four is like the big one. You know, that's you know where all the stuff wrapped up and happened and everything. But I had some story problems um with the, uh, season, end of season three and the beginning of season four, where, and the direction it took from there, mostly involving the, carrier, uh, the character of Lori Yen, which I feel, I know I'm gonna get some disagreement here, but I feel is an unneeded and a bit too convenient of, uh, a character to just be there at that time, uh, for that purpose. And I think the story would have been a lot better if Um, Sheridan and the rest of of humanity uh, were able to do what they did without the convenient help of this being who happened to be on their main enemy's planet for some reason. Um, And also, I include Sheridan's triumphant return from Zaha Doom. I was wondering, Garibaldi was the only one who was complaining about it and who thought it was strange and didn't trust him. I And he was under the influence of something else. There should have been a lot more Garibaldi's who did not trust Sheridan, especially considering just a few episodes earlier, the exact same thing happened with Sheridan's wife. And everyone knew she was not to be trusted. Sheridan does the exact same thing, comes back. Why didn't anybody think he was a shadow zombie like she was? I think that should have been addressed, and a big part of the conflict should have been resolving that and that feeling in what should have have been felt by the people at the time. Also, that Japanese chick in the very first episode, what's up with her? How did she play in this? Anyway, wondering the answers for these and other questions. (sighs) Wish I could be there. Oh, well, see you, bye.
1: Okay, uh, you know, thank you, John, for the comments. Um, I am not going to disagree that the story would have been stronger if the humans had solved it without any help at all from Lorien but I think that I personally enjoy the character of Lorien so much and what he brings to the story that I think it, I think I prefer it the way it's written
0: I, I kind of see where John's coming from when he says well that was awful convenient for Lorien to be hanging out there you know well, no
1: that's explained inside the story it's not that Lorien is conveniently hanging out there it's the fact that Lorien is there which is why the shadows come there the Shadows no. have made Z- Zahadoom their home planet because they know Lorien is there. They've
0: kept him captive. <laughs> anyway, I... Well, I, I don't know. I won't get into it. I'm not going to poke holes around it. Okay. But, uh, I think uh, we also will it. find
1: out well, the whole story of Catherine Sakai, what was supposed to happen. Uh, you know, we talked last time about she, in the novels, she went back in time with Valen. Um, but we can, we're going to find out when we read the original plot of, of Babylon 5, what happens to Catherine Sakai. Uh, there, there, she was always supposed to be more of a character than she ever became. I think when Sheridan left, you had to take the character Sinclair. of Catherine Sakai off. When Sinclair left, I told you that would not be the last time I did it, although I think I avoided it for most of the podcast. Um, but yeah, so he, she, she was so tied to the character of Sinclair. When he left, you had to take her too.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty disappointed in her, too. <laughs> You're right, Joey. Okay. Um, our lists? Yeah, let's go on wrap our list. Up, now, series wrap-up? Uh, we haven't really talked ahead of time, you know, what we're going to cover. Because I was looking back over what we did with TNG and West Wing. There were some added stuff in there, so I don't know if you went back and looked at that as this well. I
1: sent you the whole list of what I was going to be doing. No, you didn't. In an
0: am. Um, okay, then why don't you lead us? <laughs> what, you okay. tell us what we should do Pink. in what order.
1: Your your three
0: favorite bit parts. Okay, um, this one was actually pretty easy to do. Okay. Because there weren't that many bit parts that I thought, hey, that was really awesome. You know, just, there wasn't. Number three is Brother Edward. Brad Dourif. Okay. Yep. I thought he was super, really great. Number two, the interrogator uh, from... Intersections those... in real time. Yes. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that interrogator. I thought he was creepy <laughs> and evil the, 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 whole, the whole way through. Yeah. Um, number one is the Centauri region. Hmm. Okay. He, he
2: spells. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then at the end. The, the end is really, for me, what sells it so much when... He never makes eye contact with anyone, and he's always talking in some weird and far-off place and you know he's got his, his fingers and his hands still you know up and moving around. yeah, I, I thought he did a wonderful job. wonderful
1: okay. uh, I for my number three I'm going with Lorien. I, I really like the character I like mm-hmm. what he brings to the story. Scraggly beard and all Scraggly beard and all. Um, number two, I'm going to go with Sebastian. Oh yeah! i like the inquisitor (laughs) storyline i like what they did and and again wayne alexander as an actor i just like what he brought to the to the show oh that's right i forgot i need to add one more episode to my hated list (laughs) and then uh for my last bit part i'm going with zathras zathras i love zathras sure
2: so fun
0: zathras was fun aaron bit part
2: three of them um the guy who played king arthur Okay. The, the bad <laughs> I believe you.
0: If <laughs> you, oh you go back gosh.
2: and look at Aaron's ratings, he rated that like a nine. Uh,
0: that was like uh, was it the a visit from a, a late delivery, late on delivery a- from Avalon? Yeah, Aaron gave oh that like my. a nine in
2: his ranking. Gosh,
0: man. <laughs> well, look, we like the actor.
2: You're going to be annoyed later yeah. on if you make a funny him Um, number two is Athras. Okay. And number one is the Inquisitor. Okay.
0: Ah, the Inquisitor.
2: That was an
1: awesome episode. <laughs> All right, for uh, three most hated characters, I'm going to go with Nagrath. <laughs> hated him. <laughs> Glad he got written off the show right away. Was that what, what, two or three episodes? Two or three, yeah, I think two. <laughs> mentioned several times throughout. Um, the Markab ambassador, who basically let his entire race die. Rather than admit mm. to oh, this sure. shameful disease that sure. that they
0: have, that's right. And uh, absolutely the most hated character of the show, Byron. Uh, oh, hate the, hate the guy. I almost forgot about Byron.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, how about you? Hated characters? Uh, wow, well, I didn't. I, you, I didn't, didn't you didn't make three do for him? the. I didn't make three for that. Obviously, number one is Byron. Okay. Um, I would also add to that. I just really forgot what I said, Byron. Okay, you've got Delenn,
0: you've got <laughs> Garibaldi, um. you've got uh, General General
1: Franklin was on my short list, mm. Dr. Franklin's dad. Oh, sure. Yeah. You've got Scout or Dodger or whatever the heck her name was, the her female Urza brother.
0: was on my short list, too. Oh, uh, yeah. the Pasalea. Veer's
1: fiancé. Veer's fiancé, that's a good one. She was <laughs> creepy and weird, yeah. Okay, you got one more? No? All right. No. Not that I can
0: think of. Pete. Number three, Edgars. The man okay. just puts me to sleep and does not scare me in the slightest. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Uh, number two, Dr. Franklin. <laughs> I <laughs> am not a fan. <laughs> Poor Dr. Love. <laughs> he did get better by season five. Okay. Which is tough considering the fact that season five was crap. So, you know. Number one, though, is Byron absolutely okay. terrible character whoever thought him up and decided hey I know let's have everybody grow long hair <laughs> that's going to be a great uh, uh, character uh,
2: part I, I, I've got a third it's the uh, the guy that Delyn goes up against in the star chamber okay the, the one who the, can't the, stand yeah. in the of fire he's just uh, like sure. trying to take over and he's a, he's a big coward yeah, yeah he okay. was he certainly was uh, alright Aaron hot chicks I really only had the one. (laughs) I think Delin is a beautiful woman.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you. Pete. All right. Um, Let's see here. Number three is the chick for me. Okay. Number two, Julie Musante. Excellent choice, my friend. Yep. Uh, And then number one is Anna Sheridan. Mm. I just have a thing for her. For uh, Melissa. Yep. Um I'm going to go with number three. I'm going to go with Garibaldi's daughter. I think she was
1: (laughs) attractive. The The underage underage girl. He told me she was 18, so it's okay. Pervert. (laughs) Uh, Number two is Delenn. Not only beautiful, but a strong woman. I I really like that about her. And number one, Julie Uh, (laughs) Masante. Yeah, yeah. All kind of good coming out of that. She was the political officer. She was the blonde was, lady who was naked in Sheridan's room at oh, one point. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, Pete, villains. Okay, uh, I have several to choose from. Um, you know, I... Th- this one was tough. This was this, a tough one. This one was a really tough one because I thought we had some really good villains throughout. Um, like I'm just going to throw an uh, uh, honorable mention out there to Lord Rifa. Okay. Uh, and an honorable mention to President Clark and the Ministry of Peace, like that whole that, that mess conglomeration <laughs> of whatever that was—the conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, but my number three is Bester. Okay. Without a doubt. I mean, even though we all like him, and you know, there he comes around a lot, and he does have some good points. He's still evil. Evil. Okay. Number two is Morden. I mean I mean the guy gets charred and then he comes back and he's still alive and then he just goes crazy and starts eating his own skin.
5: That's <laughs> hands hands down
0: evil. And number 1 is Cartaja. Without a doubt the best villain that we had on Babylon 5 as a whole. Like he was brilliantly portrayed by the actor. I don't even remember who what his name I is. I guess either. Um and it was perfectly written for this guy to just be <laughs> off the rocker completely. And it was great. I really enjoyed just how evil and sinister and creepy that man went.
3: Okay.
1: Uh, I, I also want to give a couple of just honorable mentions here. I think The Shadow, as, as a villain... It's a villain, though. I I think. think, Yes. Oh, is it because you think of them as the hero? That's why they didn't make your list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, kept, they were bullied throughout the entire universe. <laughs> Everyone was fighting them. Um. And and Justin, the guy, the human who had the job of trying to portray portray the shadows' point of view as something that's reasonable. <laughs> um. I think it was a hard part to play, and he did a moderately good job at it. Not great, you know. I'm not walking away saying, "Hey, that was the best performance ever." But it was a hard line to pitch, and, that's and the, he the did a good middle. job of it, huh?
0: The man in the middle. Yes, the
1: man in the middle. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. I thought that was uh, I thought it was Sheridan.
1: Yeah, that too. <laughs> he, he calls himself a middleman. <laughs> Justin does. Um, my number three goes to Morden.
0: Okay.
1: Yep. He's just good, evil, slimy. Uh, good. He's as, good looking.
3: Yes. Which that is, makes it which, that makes it better. Plays into it yeah. so well.
1: Uh, My number two is Lord Rifa. Uh, And I I think a strong element of what makes Lord Rifa go so high for me is the fact that Lord Rifa's evil, his villainy, plays into giving us In the Rock Cried Out No Hiding Place. Sure. Which is such a beautiful episode. Sure is. Um, And I I think you're right, Pete. Number one has to be Emperor Cartagena. You know, there was that... Uh, somebody posted on the Facebook page some uh, wrap up on IO nine of it was like a all the episodes of Babylon Five or you know talked
0: about Babylon Five as a whole. Yeah, which is interesting that that would come out like so close to us finishing up. Yeah, Babylon Five.
1: Oh, maybe they're listeners and they just don't want to. They're tell us. fans. Yeah, <laughs> closeted apparently. But uh, I, I he he made a good point in that article, which was I was like, yeah, that's exactly. He put it so well. He talked about how Cartaja had to outact both Londo and Jakar. Yeah. And how amazing it is that he was able to do that. Sure. Because you've got these guys that are just, they're, they are incredibly strong, and they deliver hit after hit after hit. And he has to go over the top above those two. And to pull that off consistently the way he did is absolutely outstanding.
2: Yeah. That's good. Good rep. Um, my honorable mention would have to go to the, the guy with the keeper. Uh, Not the Drak, but the the Centauri The one you were talking about Oh, the Centauri Regent? The Regent Because he's a bad guy who's not really (laughs) He he doesn't want to be a bad guy But he plays well He he does a lot of really bad stuff Uh, Number three is Morden Um, Number two is Bester Why they didn't kill him early (laughs) on is just aggravating (laughs) And yeah, Cartagena Okay. Have to Ooh, up.
0: That's nice. We all hit uh a clean sweep there. On the number 1.
1: Uh okay, so the next is the best alien costume. And I'm going to have to say the graph. I mean the print
0: no, okay. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's clearly the worst. That was season 1 CGI.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't CGI. It was a puppet. Oh, that's right. It was a
0: puppet. God, it was a puppet. Oh my gosh <laughs> Of course the graph is so bad. No, uh,
1: I'm going to go with the shadow. I think as a evil, creepy-looking alien, that is awesome, brilliantly done. Most people are afraid of spiders and the spidery looking nature of them.
0: And that they have like a little tail like an arach uh, like a uh, kind of a a scorpion, scorpion, scorpion kind of thing. Too. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think you yeah. took a lot of the the primal arachnidif- arachnophobia kind of stuff, blended it all in there real good. I think they're a terrifying looking alien. That's true. They are. They really and are best alien costume.
2: I would have to say, the Narn. With the sneaky martial art dance. <laughs> <laughs> Not that, but just the uh, the the overall look and the fact that whenever they turned around, they had the like their spinal cord you could see like the ridges. Okay. And like I, I would never think to just put something in the back that you can't see otherwise. So with like the well, uh, the, the Membari, the, the head plate you can see wherever, but that's just like a. Yeah, I would never think to put that. So. Okay,
0: you know, the uh, in talking about that, Aaron, I I found them to be one note. It seemed like they were all leather, yeah. all brown, and that was it. Okay, like it, there did not appear to be any amount of variation, yeah, personality, no creativity in there amongst them to say, hey, you know what, I'm gonna wear pink today, you know, something like that. You saw that with the Centauri. You saw it with the Earthers. Um, granted, you didn't really see it much with the Minbari, but they were pretty much a caste system yeah. kind of thing. I, I wonder, I've always wondered if maybe there's supposed to be something about the, the way the Narn culture is so militaristic that they do just kind of wear military uniforms all the time. Yeah, but even the, the non-military people and the women? Well, you're assuming that they do have non-military personnel. That's true. I'm, I'm saying That's it's, tri- it's, a, it's a
1: militaristic race as a whole. And we did see, kind of casual, non-casual
0: wear, it's the robe that yes. opens all the way down the front. <laughs> Thank goodness they didn't pan down. Uh, my best alien costume is going to go to Zathras. Okay. I, I look at him, and it fits yeah. perfectly. There is not one part of his costume that I think, okay, they overdid that a while. It, no, no, everything was just absolutely
2: perfect. Okay. Loved
0: it. Aaron, best season?
2: (laughs) I wrote down that one season that's made up of watching Jakar's transition through the series and skipping everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be the season that only Aaron watches.
0: (laughs) No, that's the YouTube clip that we had. (laughs) Your Facebook find of the week. Uh, Aaron
1: watches shows differently than you and I. He doesn't watch anything he doesn't enjoy. He just skips over it. Which is mostly dialogue, yeah. obviously.
0: Pete, okay, uh, me. for me, it's got to be season three. Uh, there there was so much really good stuff in there. And despite the fact that season four, I have no hated episodes in my top ten list from season four. I still... season three is just so much better. I, for me, there's so much more iconic stuff that happens in there that's more enjoyable. Okay, I uh, I agree with you. I think the way I think the way that I would state it is that when season three
1: is great, it's better than everything else. It may be more more inconsistent, but the high notes in season three are higher than any of the other high notes throughout yeah. the series.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, Pete, funniest moment. Funniest moment um, has to be when. Uh, the political officer Julie Masante is there naked in in his uh, Sheridan's quarters, and Ivanova shows up as a projection, and she's like, "Holy cow! What in the world do you got going on there?" And she's like, "Okay, well, you good luck with all of that. Um, it, you know, you are about to go where everyone has gone before, which is a brilliant Star Trek yeah. uh, comment." Reference. And it uh, it was absolutely hysterical at that point. I, I think that for for me, that's the funniest. moment. That is a good one. Uh, I'm gonna go
1: with, and I know Pete, you don't find this as funny as I do, but Lando and Jakar in the elevator, and oh yeah, Jakar saying, "Look, all I have to do is lay here, and you're gonna die. I just, I just have to do nothing. That's all I have to do." And when Lando's like, "Can anyone hear me?" and Jakar's like,
3: "I hear you." <laughs>
1: <laughs> that to me is hilarious. I
2: love that scene. Aaron, for okay. moment, I gotta say it—it's it, it, not so much that it's a funny moment, but uh, it, it's cr- it, now every time I see it, I have to laugh because of everyone I've ever heard talk about Babylon Five. One of the things they truly hate is <laughs> 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 Oh What a stupid line, man! <laughs> like, seriously, and they used it so much,
0: <laughs> so
1: much. Okay, okay. Well, Who are we on? Did you start that one?
0: Yes Yes okay. I did
1: So you start the next one So time. I'm going to For Dumbest Race uh, This was one that Pete suggested I think uh, I'm going to go with the Markham. I think it's clear oh. Any race that wipes themselves out Through their own stupidity Absolutely wins the
0: prize They, they win the Darwin Award Darwin,
2: The racial Darwin Award I mean Aaron uh, I, I kind of agree with you On why they should win but I changed the race to the Ekarin, the race from infection, the 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 stuff that like they the smuggle the in and cord they, things. Well, no, no, it's the the um, that the, the doctor sneaks oh, in. The guy and takes over mutates. and it's the yeah, it's the they created their own racial purity thing. yeah soldiers that killed <laughs> everyone off. <laughs> okay,
0: for me, it's the Drazi. They are the butt of the joke throughout the entire universe. And the whole green versus purple,
2: so stupid. So stupid. Okay. Yeah, that was my runner-up for funniest moment. Green! Purple! I I enjoy that too, Aaron.
1: I think that's funny. Alright, Aaron, favorite character? Jakar. Pete? Jakar. Uh, Can can there be any other answer? Yeah. The, The evolution that this character, Jakar, takes over the course of the series is the evolution, I think, that we would all hope that we can take. Yeah, as he, has,
0: he has the the greatest change that happens in him. And he is the, I want to say, purest character that we have left. He's the hero. Yeah. A- a- absolutely. He is the most heroic character, which is weird with how, you know, the people that they chose to end the series with was Sheridan. Yeah. Like... Well, he's the he's the messianic figure, but not
1: necessarily the hero himself. right? Yeah,
0: but I would have loved to have seen more Jakar stuff. Like, if there could have been a uh, um, an offshoot series, I would have loved to have seen Lita and Jakar going off, nice. in, yeah. in, into the beyond. That, that would have been, I think I think we talked
1: about that already. How that would have been a really cool, fun super watch. Yeah. Okay, Pete. Top ten
0: hated episodes. Um. So many to choose from, right? <laughs> there were. Uh, I, I stopped after I got to 12. Okay. Um. And uh, like I said, there wasn't anything in season four that made my top hated list. Because there's so much other stuff in seasons <laughs> one and five. Um, so, <clears throat> number ten. Parliament of Dreams. Huh, okay. I do not care for that episode. You hate
1: that episode, I think, more than anybody I know.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. And rightly so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> Because it's so dumb. The ending is the worst. Like I guess I can look past the whole season one you know overacting with Londo as he's you know going crazy all over Passing the place the and, and... you know and then we have the the magic cherry ceremony from the <laughs> mimbari, which was just mysterious and weird. If they'd given an explanation, I might have liked it more. and then the end where it's like this is Mr. Chu he is a buddhist this is mr something like all of these just bad that things there was no Warman. <laughs> well <laughs> that line was so bloody long <laughs> come on there was one in there somewhere there was bound to be uh, no i hate that okay number 9 is geometry of shadows specifically because of the green versus purple. Okay. Um, matter of fact, that was why I had to... I, 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 am I, am am me. I knew it was because it was going on your hated list. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. Because I, I couldn't remember what it was. And every time I looked for green or purple in the episode list, I'm like, dang it, I know it's got to be in here somewhere. They <laughs> can't just have taken the show out completely. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Number eight, A Tragedy of Telepaths. Mm. Terrible storyline. Just Gross. Number seven, Phoenix Rising. Uh, same, you know, right there. Number six is Exogenesis. Okay. Did not care for that. That, that, was on, the, that was on my short list. That, that was the one that where they had the, the thing on that's their back. the, like the alien, yeah. It was like the ones that were the historians of the universe. You know, we go around collecting all of this information. It's like, what? That's, that's <laughs> stupid. Number five is Walkabout. Dr. Franklin is a terrible character and that was a terrible episode where we got double Dr. Franklin. (laughs) Really? I have to sit through that, Straczynski? Screw you. (laughs) Number four, Gray 17 is missing. Just terrible. Number three is Grow Pose. Um, That whole storyline, like, I I can understand why someone writes a storyline like that. All through the entire episode it was poorly acted and just it, it was um cliches. Okay. Just constant cliche. Uh, even at the end where we see these bodies just strewn all over the place <laughs> and we see the the characters that we've supposedly come to love over and the care of about an episode. Yeah. Right. Um and, which is a shame because I actually like that girl. I know Spongebob hates that woman. I'm with her. <laughs> I, I actually like her. I don't know why, but I think she's attractive. Uh, okay, enough about that one. Number two is Infection. That was the, the people... The people Yeah. Number one, Hands Down. And I don't know why I, I gave it a... a pretty decent rating at the time i don't know why i gave it so high it, it, when i did but tko huh. that is terrible <laughs> the the whole rocky <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the whole thing where you know the the hero of the episode oh those darn snake heads. you know this racist guy and then he joins them and they accept him <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the Mu-Tai. Is, isn't that what yes, the, the thing was supposed to be called? Mu-Tai! Yes. <laughs> oh. oh, so terrible. Um, yeah, that that okay. was truly dreadful. I don't know how many of those were detilio that I got in there, but... Uh, not as many as I was expecting, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so
1: I have as my number 10. Um, and, and I stopped at 10 because I realized after 10, there's a whole bunch of just kind of blah. But these are the ones that, in my opinion, are truly stinkers. I they have no, no sense putting these on television. Uh, number 10, Grey 17 is missing. Bizarre. Yeah. Uh, this is just terrible, terrible stuff. Uh, number nine is Exogenesis. That's okay. the spinal cord aliens that Pete mentioned. And then I have, uh, for the next five, I, I wasn't able to. Put them in an order of suck I mean they tried, but they, they're so terrible together I, I, I'm calling them the detilio five they are TKO, Gropos, survivors, Deathwalker
0: and eyes. see I actually I, I remember liking Deathwalker um, it, it was in my top five of ones I liked from season one
1: yeah I don't I don't like Deathwalker I, I anyway. Uh, Eyes is the one with the guy with the big scar down his face. Oh, yeah. That was. He was a terrible he character. Was. Survivors is,
0: drunk again, Uncle Mike? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, that right there says it all.
0: I don't remember that. For me, I, I basically forgot about that episode, which is why I didn't put it as a, okay. as a hated one
2: um uh, uh my... maybe, maybe your mind like forcefully expelled it <laughs> no
1: purged <laughs> uh my number three is a spider in the web this is also a detilio episode sorry
0: i believe it's spider in the web <laughs>
1: uh but when you team up detilio with Tally winters as the main character <laughs> it's buckets of suck i mean does it get worse than that well yes but just barely uh number two convictions the Mad Bomber
0: episode. Yeah. This was terrible. It did... You summed it up well when you said, look, Straczynski cannot write, like, uh, um, oh, what? I can't remember how I put it. I, I remember when you did it, and I thought, wow, that was perfect. He can't write a person who is, like, a, a, a murderer? A, a murderer for Sociopath tire. or yeah. assassin? Yes. I think it
1: was assassin. Yeah, yeah he, he, he just... He, he doesn't have whatever the darkness in the soul is that you know. He should have watched Gross Point Blank. Gross Point yeah. Blank is a great a story about assassins. Anyway, yes, it was. Convictions is terrible, but for me, the absolute yeah, I know Stink Bomb, Secrets of the Soul, telepaths getting jiggy with it. <laughs> Worst thing to happen in the history of Babylon Five.
0: See, I like that one because they showed the you know. The, the telepath him? In a... <laughs> no, 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 no. The the tele uh, you know, the aliens in jars. Oh, the Homeworld. Kind of yeah. Thing. I, I thought that was, you know, that was kind of decent. All right. You so, gave but, that one. It th- wasn't. You gave that one like a zero, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Aaron. Okay, so I only had five. Kay. that's okay. Uh, number five is Phoenix Rising. Okay, choice. Number two, you're right, is, is well. Wait, yes. what? Number five to number two? Number four, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> number. F- I was thinking because you're right about why it's so horrible. Secrets of the Soul. Just the <laughs> Byron. Uh, this is just horrible. Uh, number three is Grey 17, is missing. It's bad. Uh, number two, I mean uh, TKO. And uh, number one, because I hated it so much, Believers. Uh.
3: Oh! That
1: did not make my list. Children of the Egg. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't make my list either. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't. I'm not putting it in the stink bomb section. (laughs) It was just. (laughs) Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, 10 favorite episodes. Um, I actually have 12. I I really (laughs) tried. I tried and tried and tried, and I just didn't feel right about cutting some of these out. In fact, I even have. Some honorable mentions in addition to twelve. Um, I don't know how I can say the fall of night. That was a great episode. It was good stuff. The fall of Centauri Prime. It's the you know that we finally see the other end of the stuff we saw in, in sure uh, war without end parts one and two. Uh, whatever happened, to Mister Garibaldi. Even though Mister Garibaldi's not in the episode, uh, it, it's Which good makes stuff. Makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so my number twelve here is a view from a view from the gallery. Uh, I love the day in the life. I love the characters that they represent. War Without End parts one and two are are next for me. You got Babylon 5. You got Valen. You finally find out about Valen. We got Zathras. Yeah, they wrapped Just up the story from season one. Great stuff yeah. here. Uh, interludes and Examinations. That's your number ten? This is number ten. Uh, wait. Interludes and Examinations is my number nine. Okay. I guess I only have eleven, not twelve. I well, didn't I, cut one out. You now. could count the... Um, this is where Sheridan calls Kosh on his crap. If you people don't get off your encounter suited butts and do something, I've got nothing to lose. And also, it's the death of Kosh. I know that there are some people that hate Kosh and, and hate the Vorlons for the manipulations <laughs> that they've done, but I always feel sad at the death of Kosh. This is a guy who you know, went out of his way. He broke with the rest of his race to try and help end this cycle that he realized has become just absolutely destructive. It's It's a shame he didn't bother to do more about it.
0: Instead of wander around and say, No. (sighs) Yes.
1: I'm sorry that you don't like Kosh, but I (laughs) love the character of Kosh. And to see him die is always an emotional moment for me. Uh, Number eight is Intersections in Real Time. It's a a good one-act play. I, I love the interaction between the two characters. Really good stuff. Number seven is Into the Fire wrapping up the shadow war this is why i was so shocked to hear it make bob's list of hated episodes <laughs>
3: um
1: you know i like the the way they wrap up the shadow War. yes it happened too fast but what we get the way it all ends and, and the fact that you know it
0: was all lorian pulling the strings all along yeah no anyway, i agree uh, with shut you up. stop
1: stop <laughs> my <laughs> list stop <laughs> um i don't know where i am now the deconstruction of falling stars Super episode uh, This is I think Super. Probably the, One of the most Memorable episodes People walk away From Babylon 5 Yes Remembering this episode And the great thing About that is When you find out This was written On the fly At the last minute When J. Michael Straczynski Found out Oh we can't air Sleeping in Light yet Because we get a fifth season And Sleeping in Light Is the end of the show So he had to hurry And write something And, the, and what he Threw together Turns out to be One of the most Memorable moments Of the show I, I think it's really Really good stuff uh, Severed Dreams, my number three. Hmm. Delenn steps up. There's only one human captain who's ever faced the in Bari Fleet and lived. He's behind me. You are in front of me. Hmm. Uh, number two comes the Inquisitor. I know it's probably not going to make anyone else's favorite lists, but I love what we get out of this episode. The questions that it made me ask of myself as a person, the growth that I got out of
0: watching this episode, have lived with me to this day. I just can't... It's the character of Jack the Ripper that I just absolutely cannot buy in, in, in that, that situation and, you know, what he does. I just don't... It, I don't care for it. Okay. That's my objection to it. Anyway. Okay.
1: And my number
0: one episode in The Rock Crate Up in the Hiding Place. Really? Absolutely. Wow. wow. That surprises me. It really does it surprise is, me. I think it is probably... Is it just because of the death
1: of Lord Rifa? It's the... It's the growth of Jakar that we see in that scene. You know, that he is he's not angry, he's calm. He's he's you know, he's like, okay, we're here, we're doing this thing because it will help our people. You know, I you know, I will get these people freed and all these things, but he doesn't revel in it where he would have, you know, the early yeah. Jakar would have turned
2: out and walks away while they're doing it. Would have,
1: you know, got down in there and, and been one of the guys down in there punching and biting and kicking. And this is J- Jakar walking away, and he seems so regal and sad as he does. Um, and it's Lord Rifa. He is so vile and yeah. so hated. Yes. And uh, and then at the end, oh, the thing that is that no matter how many times I watch it, it just gives me chills. It's the juxtaposition of the death of Lord Rifa with this beautiful
0: gospel song being sung over top of it. That that is probably the best. In the season itself uh, that they did uh, of a scene. Uh, Yeah. uh, It it is thematically, production-wise, writing-wise, acting, everything is perfect there. Everything.
1: In in fact, I wish I could say, and the Rock, Cry, Don't Know, Hiding Place is a good intro episode because it's so strong of an episode, but the problem is you have to have bought into the characters so much to get that scene.
0: Yeah. Uh, I can't put it there. You you can still appreciate it, but you're not going to get it fully. Yeah, you're not. You're not going to get the impact. So it it is my number one episode.
2: Okay. I I gotta say, like Pete, I am surprised about that. A lot of my list, I I kind of.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 definitely surprised about a few things not being on your list. Well,
2: I had. (laughs) Yeah, I had a hard time. (laughs) I made my choices, so I'm I'm comfortable. The top three in my list are things that I went to. these are, you know I'd like to throw in something that I really like that maybe it's not my favorite favorite but this isn't something that's not going to be in either Joey's or Pete's list um, yes, yes your turn number so five. Uh, number five is moments of transition okay cool number four is uh, falling towards apotheosis okay good, good one uh, number three <laughs> I know I'm probably the only one who really likes this. A late delivery from Avalon. <laughs> yep, that's all yours, man. <laughs> you can have that episode. <laughs> you own it, sir. That's great. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you can start sending me the uh, royalties from that. <laughs> <laughs> you can have all $15. Uh, number two, And the Rock Cried Out No Hiding Place. Okay, great. Um, like you said, the, 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 the song at the end where it's the, you know, Reef for running in this this wonderful song. It's supposed to be like this joyous song, but if you actually listen to it, it's a it's a horrible horrible song. Um, and number one comes the Inquisitor. Yeah,
0: jeez, I know you, Smith, boys <laughs> likes that episode. Just...
1: <laughs> you just have no darkness in your soul. That's all.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'll take that uh, for me. My number ten, Day of the Dead. As I talked about it in, in last week's podcast, this is a wonderful idea for science fiction. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah, a couple of things hit and miss. But I remember this episode from the first time I watched it, and I thought, wow, what a really cool concept. Um, number nine, Babylon Squared. Okay. Uh, that was the beginning of the yes. time travel thing in, yep. in season one. Really? And
2: I liked it. Normally, time travel makes your head explode. Well, yeah, I, I was still confused, but <laughs> I enjoyed it.
0: Uh, number eight. Uh, let's see here is War Without End, and so I I think I'm just you know, there. Yeah. one episode. Um, number seven, signs and portents from season one. That's really kind of where we get the you get the storyline finally. Finally we're done with all of the weird stuff well no not really done with it but you know we're finally introduced to the really good stuff that we're looking forward to number six is and the rock cried out no hiding place it it is a a stellar episode as we've all talked about it's it's great it has that one scene that for me is perfect yeah um other stuff in the rest of the episode, you know, kind of take it down, which is why it's not higher on my list. Number five, Deconstruction of Falling Stars. It, it is so memorable. So, so very yeah, memorable. I think you, didn't you say that you thought that was the last episode? Did I? <laughs> when we got to it in the podcast, you're like, I thought this was the end of that <laughs> I thought this was the last episode. Oh, yeah, I think I, I think I probably did get confused. Uh, number four, Falling Toward Apotheosis. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, number three is severed dreams. that is the the line yeah with, with Delenn coming out there is all hope seems lost. mimbari show up and they say, really you want to pick a fight for us <laughs> bring it <laughs> Come on we about we wiped your you know you guys off completely and uh, you uh, can't even target our ships. what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. yeah so very cool. Um, number two is the long night. Um, it, uh, I'm not remembering what the episode is about right now, but I, as I was putting all of this stuff together, it was just like, wow, what a very, very cool episode it is the long night. Number one for me is yeah, that's the
1: one. I believe that's the one where the Narn ship is on the other side of Epsilon three. And you have the guy there on Babylon five. Who's the piece. He's the, he's there to give earth official stance. On the Narn Narn Satari War, and
0: Earth uh, uh, yeah, he's, and he's, jeopardizes granted it. sanctuary. Yeah. Uh, that that is the episode where the Vorlons are going through killing oh, like okay. their their planet killer ship, which is m- massive, like almost planet sized itself. And we have Cartaja. Th- this is the episode where we Veer kills Cartaja. Okay. Yep. But you know before that. Cartaja kills the court jester just on a whim yeah you know kills him and uh londo is in that position where he's like ah, look tell him we've we've done it we've cleaned all of this stuff off of here it's it, like uh, no there's still one thing <laughs> yeah yeah number one for me which i am very surprised is not on your list zaha doom i i am flabbergasted <laughs> that that is not on your list that, that is, I remember when we were talking about it at the time, you're like, oh, isn't this so cool? It's got Z minus, you know, two days or whatever as the countdown that happened in the previous episode. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Why isn't it in your top ten, Joey? I, I tried to separate, in my top
1: ten, I tried to say, okay, there's just episodes that I really enjoyed. And then there's the episodes that, analytically speaking, I think are the best. And so I went with the uh, the, the analysis Zaha Doom is a great fanboy episode. As a, as a fan of the show, love Zaha Doom. I
0: thought that's what we were doing here. Is your favorite.
1: I, I went with... Uh, the thing that I love the most about Babylon 5 is the quality of the writing as a arc. And so I tried to go with the episodes that
0: showed that the strongest. Yeah. Zaha Doom, though, it is a foundation episode. Absolutely. Really. I mean, it changes the game completely. Uh, for Sheridan and even for the Shadow and, and all of the rest of the people around them. It is fantastic.
2: I, I've really enjoyed it. Okay, Aaron, best intro episodes. Um, I know you probably disagree with me, but I'm going with Grail.
0: Oh! oh with Aldous oh, oh. Gajic?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll, with the, the guy named Aldous. Um, just, you know, Jeez. as he goes around... You, you get to meet all the main people as he interacts with them. You get to meet you know you you, you get a sense of uh, of Babylon Five as a whole. And yeah, he he was the one that um,
0: he plays the uh, the guy who interrogated Picard. Yes, that actor. Yeah, I don't remember his David name. David Warner. Yes, thank you. I can't like, remember. Like that. the like the Gold actor. Madrid? Yes, Golmadred. Like the actor, um, boy, in this one, he was terrible. Oh, I don't know. He was. It it wasn't a great episode.
1: They didn't give him a lot to work with, I don't think. But what he had, I think he did an okay
0: job It it was also silly the way the Mimbari were just saying, "Oh, You're a secret. You have this wonderful person here, please make sure you all come down in your dress robes. and it's like this kook who gets off of there like, why weren't the Mimbari doing that all the time? Like, oh, look this ancient traveler here like, come on. Seriously, Minbari
1: Okay, no, alright
0: Aaron, what else? Do you only have one?
1: Yeah, I, just have yeah, the I only have the one
0: as well. This is the that uh, To introduce people to Babylon
1: 5 that is the one episode you're going to show them
0: yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I still so have no
0: idea! I'm so glad that we brought him just
2: for that. That was People awesome. People will be like, wait, what is the rest of this? No. That was just fine, Aaron. I, I, I felt it gave the universe without oh. Then you get them interested in the story. Nah, that,
1: they <laughs> have no idea what the story is!
2: <laughs> I love you, Aaron. Oh, you're so awesome. Alright, Pete. <laughs>
0: uh i'm gonna say the best introduction episode is signs and portents okay it's the one that truly tells the story and you don't have to deal with all of the weird stories and the crap acting signs and portents good introduction gets us going forward and maybe they're gonna say oh hey shadow stuff yeah that looks sounds interesting well, i guess i'll sit through tko for that <laughs> that's my hope anyway. okay
2: Oh, I so I just saying you'd show them TKO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. this is the worst it gets, and then there's this. <laughs>
0: this is almost
1: the worst it gets. Uh, you know, I didn't boil it down to one. I thought we were supposed to do multiple episodes, so I did five episodes. Wow,
0: we only did one on all of the. Other I, you know, series. I didn't
1: even look. We just did five episodes.
0: All right, we'll just give us your top one.
1: My top one.
0: Oh, man. Well, if you chose five, you certainly I had them rank in an order. Them. I
1: just ha- no, I didn't rank them in order. I <laughs> know. Um, I'm going to go with Babylon Squared, I guess. Oh,
0: the time travel the thing?
1: The time travel thing.
0: But it also gives you a sense of the long arc that you sure. can develop over the course of the series. Yep, that there's something more going to be happening with yep. all of this. There's stories we don't have all of the parts of yet. Yep. Okay. Okay, Pete. Favorite moment. Oh, gosh. This has got... This was tough, once oh. again. This wasn't like West Wing or TNG for me, where I clearly had a standout moment. Um, this was really tough.
2: I, I spent most of my week rewatching clips really? trying to find the best moment that I could.
0: Thankfully, I went back and was was able to hit you know what we had covered at the end of each series. Uh, um, excuse me, season. Um, so the three that i came, that i came up with was um Jakar turning down the leadership role okay you know after he's like you know he's done he's he want to make him king help overthrow everything and he's like what you idiots you learned the wrong lesson that's yeah, good good one brilliant for him to just throw it in their face like that um uh number 4 i forgot to write it down here but the whole Delenn thing where she shows up several drinks Golly, what an amazing who! You you'd never get lines like that in your real life. Yeah. Think about if you had just that one that chance one singer to, to be able to do that, just to be able to have something like that. That is true. That would be yeah. amazing. Um, number, uh, well not number two, but uh, another one I thought of is the uh, and the rock cried out in a hiding place. The killing of Lord Rifa. I'm not gonna choose that one obviously because. There's nothing for us to listen to except yeah. for the gospel music. You really need to be able to watch it's that. So scene. visual. Yes. Watch that scene. It's great. I think I'm giving this my number one moment is going to go to um, Byron and Lita in their lovers' embrace, <laughs> oh. with everybody singing around, holding hands. Okay, let's go ahead and listen to that right
3: now. We will love each together.
0: <laughs> no, oh gosh, uh, that would never be chosen by anybody—not <laughs> even by Byron or Lena. <laughs> uh, 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 my top favorite moment of this season is this Jakar is. forgiving Lando. Mm. It, it is—we've watched Jakar struggle through all of this other stuff. We've watched Lando caused most of the things that made Jakar struggle through (laughs) and we see him coming to greatness true greatness in this episode and if we could just go ahead and listen to it
5: Molaghi understand that I can never forgive your people for what they did to my world my people can never forgive your people
3: but i can forgive you
0: um where he tells them look my people will never forgive you you know it, it nothing is ever going to change between you know what what's happened between our two peoples but i Forgive you, Londo, for everything that's happened.
1: Yeah, you're now between the two of us, man to man.
0: That is powerful. To be able to have somebody who caused you to be imprisoned, um, you know, that caused you the loss of an eye. Yes. To be whipped 39 times, near to death. Your race is almost abolished because of the choices that you made with Mr. Morden. And Jakar... Has grown so much to be able to say I forgive you, and dare I say it, I, I, it might have been nice if Shershinsky had also wrote I love you. If if Jakar could, you know, help to then show that one extra step of you know saying Hey, Londo, I I, I love you. You know, the, for me as a Christian, I think that that's the next you know step to be able to do. I think it's implied though. <clears throat> If you can do that in your life to someone who's caused you so much misery, you are a truly great person. Yeah.
1: Uh, You know, you you mentioned some really good ones. I think you missed two that I really, you know, I I also enjoyed this Dylan's line from Severed Dreams. Mm -hmm. I think I I I mentioned before that it used to be the error sound. When my computer would have an error, I'd set the custom sound effect to be Dylan saying, (laughs) if you value your lives, be somewhere else. Uh, Sheridan at Coriana 6 going to die in peace sleeping in light just really really powerful stuff and, and the goodbye that he and Dolan have together also you know, I hope I get that level of you know across to everyone hey this is what you meant to me I hope I get that opportunity um, Sheridan refusing to give in to the interrogator hmm. in intersections in real time all I have to do is say no one more time than you say yes and I win just really powerful stuff but i am going to give well and and I'm with you I wish I could I wish I could there was some audio to go <laughs> and, and lean on for uh, and the rock cried the rock out, cried no, out. Right. but there, there's nothing to hear there so for a, a a verbal something I can put on the podcast I'm going to go with Sheridan facing down Kosh and saying in, in Interludes and Examinations, it's time for the Vorlon to put their money where their mouth is. You know, he says the Vorlons have that saying, well, let's just go ahead and listen right here.
6: Don't turn your back on me. Don't you even try to walk away from me. Just who the hell do you think you are? Wait, I know what you think you are, what you want us to believe, but I don't buy it. For three years now, you've been pulling everyone's strings, getting us to do all the work, and you haven't done a damn thing, but stand there and look cryptic. Well, it's about time you started pulling your own weight around here. We're getting an energy surge. Location? I don't know. It's a non-localized phenomenon. I hear you've got a saying. Understanding is a three-edged sword. Well, we've got a saying, too. Put your money where your mouth is. Impudent. Yeah? Well, maybe that's the only way to get through to you. You said you wanted to teach me to fight legends? Well, you're a legend, too, and I am not going away until you agree! Incorrect. (laughs) Leave. Now. No. Disobedience. Up yours. (laughs) So, the real car shows his colors at last, huh? Angry now. Angry enough to kill me? Because that's the only way I'm leaving. Unless your people get off their encounter-suited butts and do something. I've got nothing to lose. Hell, my own government wants to kill me. And if we lose this war, I'm just as dead. Our only chance is to get the other races on board for this fight. And right now you're the key to doing that. Oh. It is not yet time. And who decides that time? You? You put me in this position! You asked me to fight this damn war! Well, it's about time you let me fight it my way! How many people have already died fighting this war of yours, huh? How many more will die before you come down off that mountain and get involved? Ships, colonies, whole worlds are being destroyed out there! And you do nothing! How many more? How many more, Kosh? How many more dead before you're satisfied, huh? Go ahead. Maybe one more death will balance out the books. Go on, get it over with. Save us both the trouble later.
5: Oh. I will do as you ask But there is a price to pay I will not be there to help you
6: When you go to Zahadu You already said if I go to Zahadu I'll die
5: Yes Now
6: If that's the trade-off if you want to withhold your help when the time comes, that's fine. I'll go it alone. You do not understand.
5: But you will.
6: He, he just goes for broke.
1: He realizes. He's saying, you know what? I may die here. But if my one death is that one that puts you over the edge, finally to step up. the The belief that he has in himself and the cause at that point very very powerful stuff.
0: it's a it's a moving scene. I uh for me I found it a touch cheesy. I'm glad they didn't go so far as to have Sheridan like walk up to caution, like push the encounter suit or something <laughs> like come on buddy, let's go you and me, you know, you know to try and do that. Uh it, it, it is it, it's time that, you know, Sheridan stepped up and said, "Look, I'm calling you out on it and let's go." Yep. It it it, it was moving. Aaron this better not be from Avalon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Grail. <laughs> oh, Avalon. Right. You know where he's reaching out for the sword. Oh, come on. It's, no. Uh, yeah. This was oh, it was so very, very hard. Um, I spent several hours each day this week looking for, through stuff, but uh, at the end, you know, I, I sat down and I realized for me this this whole show is about Jakar. And so my favorite hat moment would have to be about him. And so I narrowed it down to Jakar's vision in Dust to Dust. Mm,
1: That's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Right, okay. Where he's talking to who? Kosh. Right. Is he? Yes. (laughs) Is he? Yes. (laughs) So,
5: So if we can hear it. We are a dying people, Jakar. So are the Centauri. ...obsessed with each other's death until death is all we can see and death is all we deserve.
3: The Centauri started it.
5: And will you continue until there are no more Nans and no more Centauri? If both sides are dead, no one will care which side deserves the blame. It no longer matters who started it, Jagar. It only matters who is suffering. No. No, oh, I have an obligation to honor my father's name. And how have you chosen to honor that name? What is there left for none if all of creation falls around us? There is nothing. No hope, no dream, no future, no life. Unless we turn from the cycle of death towards something greater. If we are a dying people, then let us die with honor by helping the others as no one else can. I don't understand. It's because you have let them distract you, blind you with hate. You cannot see the battle for what it is. We are fighting to save one another. We must realize we are not alone. We rise and fall together. And some of us must be sacrificed if all are to be saved. Because if we fail in this, then none of us will be saved. And the non will be only a memory. You have the opportunity here and now to choose to become something greater and nobler and more difficult than you have been before. The universe does not offer such chances often, Jakar.
3: Why now? Why not earlier? All this time, where
5: have you been? I have always been here.
2: Yeah, right where at the moment that... He realizes the the moment where he stops and he has to change from being that very very angry man that's you know I'm gonna tear your your memories out neuron by neuron and then as Kosh explains you have to become something better than this and
1: harder something more difficult than you've ever been asked to be
0: before
3: mm. that's that's
0: good there, I I, I had completely forgotten about that scene entirely that's a good one real good okay. That
1: is our uh, series wrap up.
0: Yeah, I I have a question. Okay. Now I know you want to get in and read some of the original story arc, t- the plan, yeah stuff. I I think that's good. I there there's always going to be some questions and whatnot that because I just can't remember everything and I haven't watched this series you know the dozen times you have. Um, but I had a question that I was hoping maybe you could explain for me. The whole Gray Council mimbari chant of we are the gray we stand between can the, candle the candle and the flame or as you know mm-hmm. can you explain that again what 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 is the what are they supposed to be standing between the shadow and the Vorlon. the the whole thing of the great the whole so who hey, so who does the candle and the star represent then the shadow and the Vorlon. So who's the shadow?
1: Well, I don't know who's the Vorlon. Which, I, I, because, I, I would well, I guess based on the order in which they're said, as you go through, it would be the the shadow are the candle, and the Vorlon are the star. Definitely showing the difference between lives of light. Yeah. Okay. But, it, but see, what they say is that we're the can. We stand between the candle and the star. We stand between the darkness and the light. So you know, I, sure. and and the thing about it is the thing that I like so much about it is. The Great Councils had the secret to the whole thing this whole time, but they're not paying attention to the words they're saying. They are, they are coming down on the side of light for thousands of years, working with the Vorlons and perpetuating the problem, even though Valen has given them the answer, or wherever this saying came from, we don't know for sure. In, I thought it
0: was a Valen thing, we, because we, we he started the Great Council, didn't
1: he? He started the Great Council, but we're never actually told that he gave them that particular language. It's just something that developed somewhere in their culture, But if you listen to the words that are in it, it contains the answer to the whole Shadow War, Vorlon War problem. You have to
0: stand between them. Neither one of them is right. Hmm. Interesting. And, uh, they're just too stupid to figure that out. Right. They're
1: not paying attention to the words they're saying.
0: Or... So what is it they think they're doing, then?
1: They're just doing something by rote, because they've been told to do it. Hmm. It's a a religious ceremony. Or at least, quasi-religious it's just ceremonial to them. They have, it has stopped. No one's stopping and thinking about the words that are coming out of their mouths when they say it. Quasar religious. <laughs> would you prefer quasi-religious? Because it's in space, you know, quasars. Okay, okay so let's, uh, let's go to this. Uh, so this is from the final volume of the scripts of J. Michael Straczynski, Volume 15. And it has the original storyline of what Babylon 5 would have been had Sinclair stuck through the entire series. Uh, the first two seasons don't really change much, except for the fact that Sinclair, all the events that happened to Sheridan in season two are happening to Sinclair
3: instead.
0: Okay. There's,
1: there's not a significant, there's no, none of the highlights, which is, this, this is really just talking about the highlights. It doesn't give you every episode, but it gives you the the main arcs. None of the main arc stuff changes other than the character. who's. So in we're going to get a little more behind the scenes of TKO, right? Yes, absolutely. That was actually like a key turning point to the series. <laughs> Uh, but we are we are going to start with uh, Season 3, towards the end of Season 3. For the latter half of the third season, J. Michael Chizinski says, and the first part of the fourth, Jakar returns to the Narn homeworld to join the Underground Resistance and fight for his world. Meanwhile, Londo's position and power is on the rise. He is surrounded by flunkies and plenipotentiaries who cater to his whims as he plans the moment when he can return to Centauri Prime as its leader. It's during the same time in the third and fourth season bridge that Dylan and S- Sinclair begin to come together with their passion. He is nearly destroyed when his lover Catherine Sakai is mind raped, and all memory of their relationship is wiped out.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: Aren't we glad that storyline got killed, everybody?
0: It was so great in TNG. It would yeah. have been awesome in here.
1: The only way he can restore her memory Is to do the same thing to her all over again Put her through what is essentially a mind rape And he can't bring himself to do it It's a very vulnerable time for him And it's now when Dylan makes his move Remember Dylan was originally supposed to be a man <laughs> They begin to come together By the end of season 4 they are lovers And Dylan is pregnant with their child Also during the season 3 and 4 bridge Garibaldi will begin to slip back into his drinking problem No difference there the Shadow Men, which I'm glad it went to Shadows instead of the Shadow Men, are revealed psych- physically in Season 4 to be dark, demonic-looking things. They wow, fought- so it was going to wait clear till then to yeah. reveal them? Yeah. Wow. They have fought for millennia against the influence of the Vorlons, fought to keep worlds free of their meddling. At least that's their line, will gradually discover that it's true, but only as far as it goes. They have their own agenda, one that includes ruling everything in sight. It's the line about those who would save us from communism also being quick to save us from democracy. All of which comes to a head in Season 5 with the return of Jakar, who reveals Londa's complicity and the Shadowmen's intervention. At the same time, the Minbari military cast, growing ever more worried about the way the story is going, stage a coup and take control away from the Great Council. They order the exile of all council members, the death of Sinclair and Delin, and a resumption of hostilities against Earth. Londo assumes control of Babylon 5's sector of space in the name of the Centauri Republic. Earth contests the claim, and we break off relations with the Centauri. Shortly thereafter, a Vorlon ship, massive, hundreds of miles long, containing a large segment of their population, is destroyed by the Shadow Man with Londo's help. Earth is blamed. Oh, wow. wow. Season 5 ends with an assault on and the destruction of Babylon 5 by the Minbari. Sinclair and Delin manage to escape with their newborn child as the station explodes behind them. They, now, they are now wanted by everyone in the galaxy, it would seem. By Earth, which has been given information leading them to believe that Sinclair is a traitor. By the ruling Minbari warrior caste who want to eliminate what they believe is a threat to the race. To some extent by Londo and the Centauri because Sinclair knows who is truly responsible for the hundreds of thousands of Vorlon deaths. And by the Vorlons for presumably being one of those involved in the conspiracy. This would end the story of Babylon 5. Should the series prove successful, it would have been followed by a spin-off series called Babylon Prime. Sinclair, Delenn, their infant, Garibaldi, and Anarn, a friend or relative of Jakar, make their way to a meeting with the Great Council now in exile. Sinclair et al. have no place to go. No home, no resources, nothing. The Great Council is infuriatingly unconcerned. All of this is in the prophecy, if you know where to look and how to interpret it. (laughs) What is required now is a base of operations, a beacon of hope. War is raging on all sides. There must be a place where those who want to create peace can come together. They are able to pull Babylon 4 forward in time. Oh, gosh. And this will be their base of operations, because Babylon 4 was different than Babylon 5 in one respect. It had the capacity for movement. It is a starship. Sinclair and supervised supervised the attempt. They managed to get... Onto Babylon 4 and sound an alert, hoping to get everyone off the station. Before everyone can evacuate, however, the time field, which is terribly unstable, rips them forward. They manage to stop the process briefly, long enough for the rest to get off the station. We now see the original Babylon 4 appearance from the other side, as our present Sinclair tries to warn his past version of what is to come, again, without success. There are some other time distortions taking place. This is not something men were meant to do. Sinclair is aging quickly, as is Delenn. They manage to counter most of the effects, though it is sh- has shaved years off their lives, and finally return to their own time with Babylon 4 intact. It is now named Babylon Prime. They take Babylon Prime on a journey to clear Sinclair's name and provide a place for those trying to make peace in a warring galaxy. Constantly on the run from hunters and military assault teams, Babylon Prime is their refuge, their sanctuary, and when required, their warship. At one point early in their travels, they run across Londo, who is puppet leader of the Centauri Republic linked to a creature that reports his every action to the Shadow Men. Under its supervision, he must turn them in. But rebels at terrible personal cost help them escape. He deeply regrets all that has happened and hopes in some way to make up for it. Along the way, they discover one other side effect of their attempt to bring Babylon 5 into the present. The son of and Sinclair is aging too quickly. They are gradually able to stop the aging process, but by then the son is a grown man. They're able to cyberlink into him all the information a man would need.
0: Oh, gosh. But
1: the emotional development is not there. He is as innocent as a child would be. Oh, my gosh. Soon, the sun becomes a revered symbol, a religious symbol to others. Focus of the prophecy, the boy-man whose birth signals a time when various species would come together, making a new golden age. Consequently, the sun is prey to frequent, frequent assassination attempts. Along the line, the sun continues to grow and learn and become something greater than human. The story of Babylon Prime ends with the formation of the Alliance and a final great war in which Babylon 5 is a prime player. The Shadowmen are conquered. The Minbari are defeated by Earth, which clears Sinclair's name. Delenn takes her leave to join, rejoin the Great Council, departing from Sinclair's side forever. Their son takes his place as head of a new alliance, promising peace for the first time. He is able to command political and religious leaders in a consortium of power. Sinclair, at this stage of his life, finally retires from the chase, from the long battle. His last scene, the last scene in the story of Babylon Prime, is as he left, alone, on a green, quiet world, otherwise uninhabited, sitting beside the shore, fishing.
0: Wow. Oh my. Can I gosh. say
1: we dodged a bullet as fans oh. of science
0: fiction? Yes. Yes, you can absolutely say. It totally is a different story. Yes. And a bad one at that. A stinker.
1: (laughs) I, I am glad that he had the chance after the first season to sit back and say, wow, this is not going as good as it played in my head. Time to change it up. And what we got is amazing considering this is what for five years he was planning on doing. And he managed in the course of a year to turn around and say, nope, it's not working. Let's do something else and came up with some great science fiction.
0: Yeah, I should say better science fiction. Um... It is, you completely lose all of the Jakar Londo stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you lose the whole, um, you know, going to Zaha Doom
2: yeah. stuff. You, <laughs> Sorry, I, for a second there, I thought you were going to say, you lose all the Talia Winter stuff.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's where, I don't
2: know why, but my brain said that's where you were going. No. You lose no, the
1: psychor conspiracy hmm. What, what about
0: Watch. where's president clark and all of that stuff too does does he ever he, assassinate? You, he talked about the assassination the assassination still takes place but er,
1: earth is it's not until babylon prime that they come back and they're finally able to get earth back in the hands of the same people same people oh okay okay I'm so, so I'm the original babylon five right. was supposed to end with the war ongoing
0: boy wow yeah, thank goodness that didn't happen. <laughs> and whoever the producers were that were greenlighting that story <laughs> should be well, slapped around. Szwinski
1: didn't tell anybody about that. He he had a he had a pitch that he writes that actually is pretty good. It reads a lot like the Ronald Moore thing we heard earlier. Uh huh. Um, that doesn't really reveal any of the plot. It just kind of gives some rough ideas of what he wants to do, and that I think is good stuff, and it's it's believable, and and people I can I'm glad that some people bought into it. This was never really revealed before. It was something that Straczynski had kind of kept to himself. He didn't tell anybody what was going to happen. Thank goodness. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. A- anything else? Uh, yeah, I do have something. It's not really related to this episode, but I mentioned I was going to well, read it. Well, that, that's not important. We, uh, uh, we can uh, ad-lib in here a little bit. We've talked over and over again about how, well, to Jim, for example, doesn't care for this show. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I know that for myself, I don't like Star Wars. I think it's terrible. I don't like Harry Potter. I think it's horrid. In my wanderings around the internet, I came across a website that Pete, I'll provide you a link to for the the podcast entry. Um, This guy, he just writes on, basically he just seems to like to complain. He likes to nitpick and, and to complain about stuff. And he gets a lot of people right he got, or at the time that he was writing all this stuff because it's kind of an older website, it looks like. Um, looks like he got a lot of people writing in and saying, oh, you're wrong, and, and you know, arguing, trying to argue with them about things. So he wrote this article called Objects of Fandom. What makes something an object of fandom? There are some works that attract obsessive fanish behavior and some that don't. And this seems to be independent of popularity itself. To take an example from Lucas product, both Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars are hugely popular movies, but only the latter has really developed that significant fan base. Why? My theory is that for something to attract fans, it must have an aspect of truly monumental badness to it. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a robust potboiler, tongue in cheek, very competently done. I think it's enjoyable, but even among those who don't, it's hard to see the film Attracting actual derision, boredom or irritation, but nothing more. Star Wars, on the other hand, from one perspective, it's an entertaining space opera, but from a slightly different perspective, an imperceptible twist of the glass, it's laughably awful. Utterly, ridiculously bad, and it's this very badness that makes so many people take up arms in its defense. Once a work passes a certain basic, all-around level of competence, it doesn't need the defense of fandom. It's impossible to imagine a fan of Animal Farm or a fan of the well-tempered clavier (laughs) or the theory of gravity. (laughs) Such works can defend themselves, but badness, especially badness in an obvious monumental variety, inspires devotion in people. The quality of the work in the face of such glaring shortcomings becomes a matter of faith, and faith is a much stronger bond than simple appreciation. It drives fans together, gives them strength against those who sneer. The sneers make their faith even stronger. The awfulness of the work reassures them of their belief. And so the fan groups of Tolkien, Star Trek, Spider-Man, Japanese kitty cartoons, and so on, develop an almost cult-like character. I need to stress that I'm just talking about aspects of badness. The above works also all have their many admirable qualities which attract people in the first place. Though in the case of the Japanese cartoons, I'd be hard-pressed to tell you what they were. (laughs) <laughs> and I shouldn't confine myself to geek subcultures. Fandom also affects the mainstream and high art worlds, and for the same reasons. Stanley Kubrick, for example, might well make anyone's pantheon of great directors, including mine. But unlike Wells, Huston, and others, Kubrick has a definite fa- fanish following. And this is because, post 2001, his work openly flir- flirts with quite spectacular direness. 2001 itself treads the finest of lines between the infinite and the infinitely terrible. Wagner is perhaps the only classical composer with a fan base. Wagner. Thank you. Wagner. Thank you. And this is because his operas, despite their many remarkable qualities, always teeter on the edge of being truly staggeringly awful, (laughs) especially in live productions. (laughs) Much the same goes for both James Joyce and Shakespeare. And the same goes again for religion, the ultimate expression of fandom. If Christianity, say, were just a list of moral precepts, it most probably wouldn't have any adherents, just admirers. But add in the nonsense like the resurrection and the trinity, the creation and the apocalypse, the angels and the saints, and you get that monumental awfulness awfulness that millions will die for. I, I think we can see that in Babylon 5, that there are aspects of badness and I think I think the yes. trick is yeah. the things that you will defend are the things where the badness is something that isn't offensive to you. So I can't ever be a fan of Harry Potter or Star Wars because I can't stand the mental attitudes or the, the portrayal of the quote-unquote hero of the story as just whiny little brats.
0: The, the trouble I have with, the, especially with Star Wars fans, uh, and this is because, not because I am a Star Trek fan, I think I'm more Star Trek fan than I am Star Wars, but I love Star Wars, is that people's failure to recognize how truly bad the first three episodes were, or excuse me, the first three movies that were made, episodes four, five, and six of that story arc, and they hold them up in this esteem of, like, these are the greatest stories ever told. <laughs> George Lucas really understood how to write a story at that point, and what he gave us with episodes one, two, and three were just horrible. You know, just these atrocious things. And I just think. Were you paying attention at all to, four, to the five, dialogue in 4, 5, and 6? Like, it seems like it was literally written for, you know, a preteen to a teenager. Yeah. That dialogue is crap. I'm with you. It, it frustrates me that people can't recognize the atrociousness of certain things, but still be able to understand that there is an overarching, still decent story that comes out of it. And that that frustrates me a lot with Star Wars stuff. It doesn't really frustrate me with the Babylon 5 stuff, because, well, frankly, there's not that big of a fan base for Babylon 5. No, Nowhere near the fan base that Star Wars is okay. going to have. Okay. Nowhere near okay. it. And so the... I just never run across anybody who ever has the ridiculous notion that you know this is truly great stuff and can't see the atrociousness smacking them in the face sure. by Lawrence D'Atilio. <laughs> no, and and I want to be
1: absolutely clear to say, I have never been a, a guy that can look at Babylon Five with the blinders on or the rose-colored glasses and say. There is nothing bad in Babylon Five. It's just pure awesomeness end to end. But I think that the the cost of the badness is well paid off by the goodness that's in it. And it's just I I just I read that essay simply just to say, it kind of made me look at things a little bit differently at, at the reasons that I am so strongly against Star Wars and Harry Potter. You know that there that there's this certain aspect of them that I find so bothersome. And it's a response to the, the blinders that the fan bases are wearing that I start to get really irritated and agitated about it. You know, if it were, if it were just a movie that everyone said, yeah, that, that's an okay movie, that, was, that wasn't too bad, I, I don't think I would be as up in arms about it as I am.
0: Yeah, the, the trouble is too many people seem to have the the other things get in the way of seeing the the main plot, the main purpose and it, it ruins what is supposed to be the big payoff. And in the case of Babylon 5, I think that's really what's happening with Jim is there are too many of the awkward the objectionable stuff the the stuff that from a production value we all look at and cringe and say, man they they should have done a better job on this um, that really truly detracts from it i uh, i think also in in jim's case it happens to be the storytelling device itself the way the story is told in this weird mystery piecemeal thing that you know tr- slowly trickles out over you know a four or five okay. year arc um, it, it can be off putting it works for me cuz i enjoy that type of uh, genre and while the mystery is frustrating at times, I was lucky enough I had somebody there to be able to explain portions of the mystery to me to say, look, this is going to be important later on. Watching this by myself alone, don't think I would n- get nearly the amount of enjoyability okay. and uh, you know catching on. Uh, of various things, like as a, a case in point, the uh, the dream that Sheridan has, mm-hmm. where he sees Ivanova, and she's like, "Do you know my real face?" Or "Do you know who I am?" you know, whatever it is. There is, it ends up being she's a telepath, but that's it. Never would I have picked up on that as itself alone through the episodes I don't think even though we're shown in, in this episode uh, or was, the, the last was, one yeah. um, that you know he we do that flashback the there it still doesn't come across as important it's dropped it's lost it's you know stuff that I, I think my mind would just mentally wash free and say eh, not, not important because it never becomes truly useful to the overall plot and story that's there. There are there are at least two times in the future where the fact that
1: she is a latent telepath do become useful to them. But I, again, I say I have to say I think that's I think it's done backwards. I think it's oh well, yeah, we do have we, this we thing. Have, we have we have Ivana. She's a latent telepath. We can plug her in right here. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I totally see your point and I, and I get it. I for me I am here, here's one of the my favorite things to do. When I read a book, when I watch a TV show, um, I am trying to beat the writer to the point. I am trying to figure out all the mysteries, all of the, the twist endings. I'm trying to figure everything out
0: before the writer thinks I should be able to. No, you're not. You're looking up online to see what everybody is saying about it so that you can know ahead of time what's going to happen. <laughs> Don't try and fool me, pal. No, no, no. I'm not looking ahead of what
1: uh, episodes are currently available to me to know. Anyway, the, the point is that I am trying to figure it out before, in the context of the story, I'm quote-unquote supposed to know. I I, I, guess I get a thrill out of, I guess, outsmarting the writer. Mm. For, for me, that's enjoyable, and that's part of what makes Babylon 5 so enjoyable because the whole time I was watching it, I was going, okay, so Sheridan had the dream, and here's all the things in the dream what could this possibly mean and I'm making notes and I'm, and I'm cross referencing earlier episodes oh there was that one line in episode one of season one that they just called back to here what's the tie in what's the connection I'm always trying to, to pick apart those threads of the story and that's part of the process of what I enjoy in itself and, and like uh, listen to Spongebob I love being right I love it when I'm right <laughs> Anyway, I just thought that might bring a little something, you know. I think we had a good conversation around it. Okay, let's move into our wrap-up of the first three shows of Treklist 5 history.
0: Our namesake shows. Yes. Um, I thought we could go through some of the emails first. Okay. And I want to start off with uh, Carbonite Man. All right. Um, since he sent his stuff in there. He, I, I wanted to wait for him to go at the end because he kind of... Mixed it all? Yeah, he talks about the podcast as a whole... And then he gets into, like, he starts answering some of the questions.
2: Okay. Because uh, it's
0: ending? <laughs>
5: the podcast? That's <Asshole. laughs>
0: I don't think so. <laughs> Unless I'm dying and I'm not aware of it.
1: Well, clearly, Trek West 5 was run its course. Yeah. Now we yeah. have to start... Studio Firefly? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man. Uh, okay. He says, gentlemen, where do I begin? A thousand years ago, wait, wait, that's the way Delenn starts every story. (laughs) A year or so ago, I was searching for a podcast that covered my favorite TV show, Babylon 5. I quickly found that searching Babylon 5 in iTunes brings you to an endless number of Revelation-themed podcasts. (laughs) And even stranger than those was a podcast based on a country music group called Trequest 5. (laughs) <laughs> That's news to me. We're really? a country music group now, yeah, apparently. Clearly, here was a podcast that I believed, um, as di- as I did, country music would be the end of civilization as we knew it. I downloaded it to my iPhone and found Mormons, <laughs> Midwest, and religion. Yep, that sinks. But to my surprise, with the podcast name enlarged, I saw it was a podcast on West Wing, Babylon 5, and Star Trek. I am a true fan of all three shows, as well as many others of the works you you two have covered. Even the opening uh uh, opening music brings a smile to my face. If you could, I would love to hear the whole song at some point. Is that the Shayna Zade song, I'm guessing? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't...
1: I Listen to them oh, once. Oh, oh, oh. Is the Shayna Zade song. I don't know. You know, we. I will give you guys a link to where I get the music from, and, and you can check it out.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think it's safe to say Shayna Zade is a huge fan of, of ours. <laughs> right?
1: So certainly, I think we helped launch her career in, in commercial music. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, that was all us. Uh, going back. By the way, Fans of the show should go rate it on iTunes, so it will raise its search results. People are missing out on a great thing. This Christmas, I asked for and received the complete series of West Wing. Just like Babylon 5, I came to both series in reruns, and now I'm looking forward to watching them again and again. Sorkin owes you guys a kickback. (laughs) Sadly iTunes does not seem to carry anything before the Babylon 5 podcast. Hope you guys can change that. I would love to hear your take on TNG, too. Yeah, it only holds so much. It does? Oh, well, yeah, I think, I think they scroll out. They,
1: they,
2: they only buffer so many things. Yeah. Really? So when you say, like, show me all of them, it shows, like... 25 or something yeah. like that. Yeah.
0: Really? What a jip. Those are TNG stuff. Well, listen, I, I know you can go to the trekwest5.blogspot.com yep you can go and get them there there's a direct download for them there you know what I will take the task of making a feed that has everything all the way back
1: oh okay so that people
0: can subscribe to it using their podcatcher okay, okay. alright good call Joey by the way he uh, he has a picture here I wanted to show you guys of uh, him uh, I'll, I'll, I'll zoom in here for you Joey there we go so oh, he's, nice. got, oh, yeah, he's got the, the west expensive west wing yeah. that one's not that expensive dude
1: it's a hundred bucks for
0: the box set. Well, it was when you bought it illegally. What? I bought it from Costco. <laughs> <laughs> Is that illegal? I th- Yes. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, he continues, Trying my best to keep this brief, my first thanks goes to the bell.
3: <laughs> Ding.
0: I don't know. We probably should have gotten the bell at some point. Joey? <laughs> <laughs> just the one ring was necessary you didn't need to bring the belt
1: over (laughs) there's no
2: foreshadowing going to be coming back now second
1: time it's been requested in
2: this podcast (laughs) give in pete give in
0: (laughs) as a longtime fan it was a great fun idea being in on the inside track of the foreshadowing second the bobs um second the bobs it was really so interesting to hear you both struggle slash have fun with the mysteries of the series Thank you both for sharing. Yeah, indeed. Third, the Facebook community. Too many brilliant and funny people to mention here, but you all are my Facebook finds of the week. (laughs) Now on to Babylon 5. I can speak volumes here, but I will touch on just one point that I feel encapsulates Babylon 5. JMS has mentioned in the script books, thanks Joey, that religion and academy have both failed him. Being a member of both a church and the academy, I can appreciate his disillusionment with the failures of men to hold the ideals of which they espouse. I believe Kierkegaard covers this best. And yet JMS neither condemns nor dismisses either. In fact, he says, both shoes, faith and reason, are needed to carry us. In Babylon 5, these shoes are worn by all the characters in all their humanity. And that especially goes for the aliens. Both TNG and West Wing, despite their greatness, tend to use these Seeker of Truth as a strawman. Sci-fi, at its best, uses the backdrop of an alien universe to highlight our humanity. I think you would be hard-pressed to find two characters who struggle with their humanity as much as Londo. In spite of all that held it back and tried to drag it down, I believe the deep and raw discussions you both have had are a testament to the greatness of the series. I am greatly thankful to JMS for bearing his soul and almost his life with all of us to create this series and uh, and to you both for taking him up on his challenge to go above and beyond, though to be fair, it was mainly Pete. I think wow. you added that That's really kind I thank you very much for saying that Carbonite man Wow I really feel good inside right now Oh there was what? no call what? for that call Joey for that. I didn't see anything Yeah <laughs>
1: He
2: continues I was looking at Pete so I didn't see anything either. I held it up over my head So I couldn't see it I don't know what it was <laughs> So, Pete, you're Uh, the only one who sees...
0: (laughs) I'm seeing things. (laughs) Sci-fi rating. For creating such an alien universe that we recognize what is truly meant to be human, 10. TV rating. For making sci-fi about characters and not technobabble, 10. Hmm. Okay. So, now he goes in and he does his questions. Okay. So, uh, originally, I suppose I should mention the the questions that we were going to go over. Um... Now let's see. He de- I think he does his own. Okay, questions. Going for what I hope is original here, bald with the most style. Toby, Jacquard, or Picard? Mmm. Well, I, I said Toby's out. For Toby. me. Yeah, he he it, it, changed so drastically. Yeah. I'd have to say
1: Picard. Picard. For style? For pure style, Picard.
0: Yeah, I I, I got to do that as well. It's a shame because he's a French guy with a British accent. How do you get more style than that? <laughs> well, I don't know. You, you've got Jakar who walks around, you know, getting jiggy with the uh, yeah. women and just wandering around Asking in a row. Asking about their pleasure thresholds. Yeah. Okay, torture scenes: Picard, Sheridan, or mm. anything with Mandy. <laughs> who's <laughs> right. <We're> being tortured <laughs> to the audience or the characters you, you, can, you can read it however you would like uh, Joey I,
1: I personally I prefer Sheridan over, over
0: Picard Sheridan okay um oh wait yeah. wait wait Sheridan in comes the Inquisitor no. or the uh intersections, intersections in real time intersections in real time okay cause he was in he was yes yeah, no you're, you're okay. right I'm gonna go with Picard okay yeah I'm gonna go with Picard here as well he what I think would have been better than Sheridan is Jacar. Yeah, Jacar goes through the some of Cartagia. Golly, he goes through so much. Um, yeah. Okay. Most self-deluded when it came to his lack of responsibility for loss of life through their official positions. President Bartlett or Soul Reaper Bartlett. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with President Which we, uh, did we ever see the Soul Reaper Bartlett? Yeah, we did. We did? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a different guy. I really did. I thought we did. I thought we never ended up seeing... Maybe that was in one of the movies. That movies, I, yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, it was in one right. of the movies. You might be right. It wasn't in the episodes. So, President Bartlett or Soul Reaper Bartlett? President Bartlett.
2: President Bartlett? Well, I, I don't remember seeing Soul Reaper Bartlett, so... <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Bartlett. All right,
0: it's a clean sweep. Bartlett. Who was holding the series back, Tasha,
2: <laughs> Mandy, or Sinclair? Mandy. Mandy. Man- I, don't think, I don't think Yar was really holding up. she was just a horrible. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Tasha because I hated Tasha
0: so bad. Not a clean sweep. Uh, S- Not a clean sweep. Sinclair was pretty bad, but oh,
1: Mandy. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mandy. Mandy was. Mandy was bad. Um, okay. Original music score. West Wing, Babylon five, or TNG? <sighs> it's to choose between Christopher
1: Frankie and Snuffy Walden.
0: Chris, <laughs> <laughs> who's Christopher Frankie? That's Babylon five. Oh. Yeah, I'm not choosing Babylon five.
1: The 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 score, not the in episode music, but the score. Yeah, I'm okay. talking
0: about the intro thing, you yeah. know, that we okay. see at the beginning. Yeah, I'm not choosing him.
2: Uh I'll go with a guy named Snuffy. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm um, going to land on Snuffy as well. West uh, Wing.
0: You know what? I, I'm going to go with uh, Next Teens Generation it. on this, just because. I mean that that sound, that music. <laughs> it is it, it it is iconic. It is. But uh, I
1: yeah, I'm just going to go with West Wing.
0: Yeah, uh, Snuffy is still great. Yeah. There's no doubt. I'm not hating on Snuffy. Okay. Best, blank babble. Technobabble for TNG, Political Babble for West Wing, or Vorlon Babble with Kosh?
2: Political Babble.
0: It's basically the whole show.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Aaron? Uh, Yeah, I'll go with political because uh, West Wing, it actually kind of made me interested to learn a little about our government. The government that rules over us so well (laughs) that we should give
0: all of our power and money to. Uh I am going to say political as well. Okay. I had a clean sweep there, West Wing. Okay? Minorities in positions of power. Babylon 5, West Wing, or TNG. Minorities. Think, you know, the the actors? The yeah. <laughs> well, I I think women could be seen as minorities as well oh, cuz okay. the the male lead, I see. you know, is is so pr- you're pretty you're dominant. Talking CJ.
2: Yes, as well. Charlie and CJ up against... Ivanova and Lockley
0: and Franklin. I'm going to say, while you guys are thinking, hey, about, it I'm going to say that. TNG. You know, because we've got Worf, we've got... Um... Wait, Worf is a minority? Worf was black?
2: <laughs> he was I mean, played by the actor, the
0: actor is black. <laughs> Worf is a Klingon. <laughs> I'm assuming he's talking about... Uh... Oh, the actors! I'm assuming that okay. all it says is minorities in okay. positions I, of power. I, okay, I'm with you. Okay, okay. All right, I, I could be reading this wrong. No, Please, I, I, I think if, if you I can want to talk that, about the other thing.
1: interpretation, I just, I, that's not the line I was thinking. I was thinking, I was thinking he's a Klingon. There's tons yeah, of Klingons.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. We're, let's just go ahead and skip that one because we're all confused <laughs> okay. about that. Is that, a, is that fair? Sure. Okay. Uh, true strong female leads. Babylon 5, West Wing, or TNG? West Wing. Strong female leads. West Wing. CJ. Hey, you don't think Tasha Yar? No, strong. Guinan?
1: Troy? Guinan? Crusher? <laughs> None yeah, of those. Then you have Ivanova. Yeah. You Lynn? Lynn got Delenn.
0: I'm going to take CJ over Delenn.
2: I'm going to take Delenn.
0: I think I'm going to take Delenn as well. Okay. Okay. Worst decision to put a former addict in a position of power? (laughs) Dr. Franklin, Leo, or Garibaldi? Garibaldi.
2: Can I go Riker for (laughs) (laughs) illuminizing?
1: Necrophilia.
3: That's not an (laughs) addict. Oh, wait, no.
1: (laughs) Nymphomania.
2: Different thing. (laughs) Very different We have no evidence that Riker was a necrophilia. (laughs) What what TNG were you watching...
3: <laughs> it's it's <laughs> like, oh, oh goodness. The end
1: doesn't stand for
0: next anymore. <laughs> oh no, that's so gross. Um, I'm gonna say uh, Garibaldi as well. He was yeah. There was no one watching over him. They should have been. Okay. Yeah, not buying it. Moment. Leo as vice presidential candidate. CJ is Chief of Staff. Picard is French.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's not really a need moment, we, though. we go on, really?
0: <laughs> I don't know you need to finish that list. I think, the, I think the winner is clear.
3: <laughs>
0: Wesley as Pilot. Garibaldi as Covert options he- uh, oh, Operations Head. Oh, that's a head. pretty close second right there. <laughs> Uh, Picard, as a Frenchman.
3: He's got yeah, Picard
0: <laughs> What happens to France in the next couple hundred years that they all have British accents? Okay, um... Most inappropriate relationship with women, considering their position. Sam and the Congressional Call Girl. Riker and the General Neutral Representative. Or... Franklin and the freshly thawed out Widow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying Franklin and on this one. Yeah, I was
0: going
3: to
1: Sam until Franklin came up. Franklin.
2: Riker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> with any woman at all.
2: <laughs>
0: Come on, he's got a beard. He's pretty manly. Okay. Truest depiction of government, religion, dating, battle, Loss.
2: Like all of them combined?
0: No, no I was just uh, thinking of, of TNG, Babylon 5, West Wing. Wh- you know, Which had the truest de- uh, depiction of these things? Of, so gonna of do the way one? we're going to well, no, uh, Sure, sure. No, yeah. because there's really. I don't know. Well, how do you want to answer it? I think we need to go one by one. Okay. Government, West Wing. West Wing. Yep. Okay. Religion. Babylon 5 Babylon 5 I'm going to say West Wing on this one okay Bartlett's whole struggle with, with his I think uh, what's her name Mary oh, oh, oh crazy Mary <laughs> yeah I know the one you're talking about there uh, yeah and that's true to life I think those there are nut jobs <laughs> out there that, that are real dating
1: TNG specifically Geordie <laughs>
0: <laughs> no? oh. Oh, oh gosh, maybe
2: true to life for my dating. <laughs> uh, Isn't no. that what we're going for? Oh. That's what my dating experiences all felt like—that awkward. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I've made hollow girlfriends of every girl I thought about dating. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh,
0: battle. Remember, truest depiction. Babylon 5. Not the funnest or the coolest truest depiction. I'm going to have to go with uh, the West Wing. Uh, I'm specifically thinking of
1: when they take out the Kumari minister guy. Defense minister? Yeah.
0: Uh West Wing. So not not Gropos. No, not Gropos. Aaron?
2: Well, not Gropos, but (laughs) Babylon 5. You say Babylon 5? Like... Babylon Five Battle. Yeah. I I think of the actual battle, and you didn't really see that on West Wing. You just saw the you know orders given to start a battle.
0: I think I'm gonna go with Babylon five as well. Just because you really saw the grittiness of a lot of of different battles. Yeah. And and you saw it from different angles. It was in a you know, a three D universe and it wasn't plane. One plane. Yeah.
2: I, I think one of my favorite things to do with Battle was West Wing, where it's uh, when the doctor dies, mm. and they give him the, these are, you know, the responses, and he's like, no, I want to, you know, bring the hammer down, and let's right. kill them all. Right. What, what happened the, to the, Rome when they, you know, yeah. they were afraid to touch a Roman citizen? Oh, yeah. that, like the, the you know, build up to battle, that was the, I think, the best battle in Babylon 5. <clears throat> okay Babylon uh,
0: Okay, truest depiction of loss. Babylon 5. Londo. Londo specifically. I think I'm going to say West Wing.
3: Okay.
0: I don't think TNG had really anything. When, uh, Babylon 5, you got some close stuff, but I think West Wing, you see a, a lot more loss happen.
1: So, what would you, I mean, Josh? No. Well,
0: I think
1: he, when he uh, Miss, Lanningham oh,
2: yeah. Miss Landingham dies. Oh, Miss Okay. Yeah, yeah I, um, I would
0: say Miss Landingham. That's a good
2: one. That and, and, yeah, the Malari, that's, I don't know if I could pick between those two. Do it. Uh, I guess I'll go with Babylon 5. It does have an overall longer period. And
0: okay. Yeah, uh, by the way, that was the most original uh, thing that you had come up with there. So, great. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Carbonite, man. That was great. Uh, and for all of your comments and whatnot. So, that was cool. Um, okay. Right hand. Doesn't know what the left hand's doing. <laughs> okay, this is Money Bags. He says... Uh, On to the episodes, or, I mean, series comparisons. I've listened to all your episodes, but I didn't watch West Wing since it wasn't on Netflix Instant. So I'm only going to compare Babylon 5 and TNG. Okay. Okay, best show, Babylon 5, hands down. (laughs) Best episode, Severed Dreams. Best actor, tie between Patrick Stewart, Andreas Katsulas, and Peter Jurassic. Worst actor, Michael O'Hare. <laughs> yeah. Best main character, Londo. Hmm. Interesting that he went with Londo instead of Jakar. Worst main character, Franklin. Hey, all right. <laughs> Somebody's on with me. I'm going with Tosh over Franklin. <laughs> worst episode, probably one of the season one episodes of TNG. Although. Then he never finishes the sentence. <laughs> Although, Although, season one of Babylon 5 was pretty bad, too. I've finished it for him. Okay. Uh, best tragic flaw Londo's patriotism. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. My pick for my right hand, Ivanova.
2: Okay. Ah, really? <laughs> well, she's partially. T- uh telepathic she what you <laughs> telepathic different
0: thing <laughs> preferred boss Sheridan he has a sense of humor I can't work for someone who doesn't laugh at my hmm. jokes um, beat up the most times Worf TV tropes named a trope after him the wharf effect. <laughs> it's when wider writers show how tough someone is by having them beat up the toughest main character. <laughs> I think you guys are doing Studio 60 next. If I can find a Torrent, the wife and I might give it a try. If not, I'll still be here listening. And I might be posting some clips of Matthew Perry's performance on Friends to the Facebook page. Okay. Uh, until next time, listener money Moneybags. P.S. Pete is great.
3: Wow.
1: There's a lot
0: of fans coming out in favor of There's Pete something here. floating
1: over my head here. I may even I may
0: have to swing at it. <laughs> Alright, well, uh, <laughs> which one next? The one you're holding. Okay. This is uh, Brainy Smurfy says, um, I just wanted to throw a babby comment out there. Lamest race? Not the pac They were cool. I enjoy fun-looking aliens, especially when they are on a space station. Although the Pakmara only reveal a cursory snapshot of their culture, they do eat garbage, believing that they are divinely ordained to fulfill their role in the universe according to their belief in God. Their garbage consumption reflects a metaphysical understanding of the universe. The harmony and counterpoint to which they contribute fulfills their destiny." Additionally, they sing, and I suspect they probably hang out down below with Kosh's crazy chanting monk entities. <laughs> That's back when Kosh was cool because he was too enigmatic to reveal that his race is millions of years old and enlightened to the point where they can murder lesser beings with no remorse. <laughs> so, in conclusion, how can the PM be consider? Uh, sorry, Pakmara be considered lame? I nominate the Centauri as the lamest race ever. Lamer than the Vorlon. That is primarily because of the because of Buji. Now the Centauri produced two super awesome villains, Rifa and Cartagia, and maybe even Regent. They make for great baddies because their race is incapable of escaping their genocidal tendencies. So as an alien culture or civilization, the sunflower people are the worst ever, and here is why. their race and their planet and their central governing body are the centauri, uh are the Centauri Centauri prime and the Centarum. I know they are not the only aliens guilty of this, but we do not call Earth human prime, but make uh, but make maybe we should call the UN the Human torum. Torium (laughs) Human Torium I'm going
2: to start calling the earth Human Prime
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay Uh, Moving on They murder everyone Londo publicly executes millions of innocent Narn A multiplicity of gods With a multiplicity of genitals For each god This would be fine if it meant something The topic is covered in Hinduism a lot but it reflects the religion's celebration of diversity and oneness. The Centauri just drink a lot and uplift ancient genocide stories, as in the Parliament of Dreams, and everyone just tolerates this murder-happy race of stupid-haired, European-looking imperial despots. In Craig Ferguson's stand-up act, he being of the UK, makes a funny joke about how pompous, snobby British persons say the word Yes. As if they were saying ears. Try it. Ears. And to me that is the Centauri. Ears, ears, ears. Just say ears, ears. Murderers, emperors, and keepers. Oh my. Ears. (laughs) I'm lost on that whole last part there. I have no idea what he was talking about. Um, Who wins? The Romulans. Come on, man. They are the most sinister aliens ever. Right hand man, Talon. I don't think I'd choose Talon. He just carried around a sword and (laughs) kept cutting his hand every time there was an important scene. "Mm, I'll show you. Ah! Ah!" Of course, he didn't ever scream out like that. Uh, Choice in boss slash grandfather, Picard. He wants Picard to be his grandfather. Okay. Uh, yeah. I want... What? What's that,
2: here? I get what he's saying
0: there. Okay. About Picard. I want to see Worf fight Garibaldi. <laughs> I don't think there's a, even a challenger.
2: I think Worf beats the crap really out of Garibaldi. He didn't say it would be a challenge. He just wants to see it. <laughs> he wants to see a beatdown of Garibaldi by a Klingon. And have Worf actually beat somebody. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, some favorite memories include Snaky Drock Dance... Emo Pete, um, Moneybags dubbing the exposition machine as well as, I think, SpongeBob, dubbing the dubious and long-standing name to Dr. Love, and for me, the box. I also enjoyed re-reflecting in the episode of Babby Five where Harlan Ellison usurps the computer voice, and as was previously mentioned, He still sounds like Andrew Dice Clay trying to talk his way out of a traffic violation. (laughs) Good memories. I remember that. Uh, Favorite episodes of all series. I don't think any episodes are better than Darmok. His eyes opened. Tapestry. Choices and regret. And relics. Picard drinking whiskey with Scotty is a prelude to BSG. Yay for everyone! Ambassador Brainy Smurf. All right. Okay. Are we ready for uh, to do ours then? Yep. I guess. Yep. Okay. So you had uh, uh, originally sent this list through. This was some people had submitted, others that you had submitted. Yes. Feel free. We can add in additional as well, but I, I guess we'll just start going down this list. Yeah. That's all right. Absolutely. Okay. So first one. Which series had the absolute worst episode of TV?
2: Aaron. TNG.
0: Okay. Which okay. one? Sub Rosa.
3: Okay. <laughs> you can forget about that.
0: How yeah. How? I, listen, I, I know it's bad. It really is. Isn't that no, nobody on the wants to, of Your corneas. <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to watch Crusher get felt up by this alien Yikes. cloud. No, that 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 was truly, truly bad. Joey? Uh I think they're the same
1: episode. Secrets of the Soul and Sub Rosa. Isn't it the same
0: thing? <laughs> I would
1: I, err. Sub Rosa is just awful. I'm scarred
2: for life by that episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's the scarred for life bell now. And the bell lives on. <laughs> Pete?
0: Uh, I'm going to have to say... Gosh. Uh, there was so much in Babylon 5 and it had shorter seasons yeah I'm gonna have to say Babylon 5 but what but what episode what episode I guess it's TKO TKO I guess it is I mean which is like it's kind of right up there synonymous with the whole um uh oh uh what's the the gray oh Shades of Grey Shades of Grey yeah no I liked Justice are you (laughs) kidding me Half-Naked Women I'm all for that. I'm in. Okay. Um, should we do like the like a worst moment or something like that? It can do you think you guys could think of something off uh, top of your head, worst moment? I kind of felt like I did already. Yeah, was, <laughs> just pick any moment out of Rosa, that's it. Enough said. Enough said. Okay. Best idea that Pete vetoed. Yep, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what this is. I don't know. Um, I guess best idea that Pete vetoed, um,
1: yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to go with picking, picking a top ten, bottom ten list across all three series. <laughs> I think that would have been a great exercise. I think it would have been a lot
0: of fun. Uh, well, you can still make it. You just post it <laughs> up. You your own blog You vetoed post. it. You vetoed I, it. It just will not be podcasted <laughs> about. Aaron? Aaron, which one did you, would you, yeah.
2: Well, it was actually in here. That's <laughs> the which series. Had the worst <laughs> That's where this question came from.
1: Yeah, it is. So Aaron said, "Which episode had the worst? Which series had the absolute worst episode of TV?" And I had said on the Facebook page, "I think Pete kind of vetoed this idea." And Aaron said, "Okay, then my alternate suggestion is, what's the best idea that Pete vetoed?" <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness!
2: I was confused <laughs> to see him both on the list. <laughs> Okay, we're all i I enjoyed now. that one. <laughs> I'm glad you did.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lamest Raced. The Pac led, uh, the Pac the or the Kumarians. Kumarians. race
2: from TNG. Oh, No. Oh, I no. Really? no.
0: Kumar.
1: The Kumari defense minister in the West Wing. The women of Kumar? Oh, okay. So I didn't, like, when when John posted that, the K- Kumarians, I was
2: like, who are the Kumarians? Well, so what is the fish? Are you sure? Yes. What, what's the fish race then? I thought that was the fish race. These guys. Yes. The Antedians. I have to give it to the Antedians. <laughs> I totally thought that's what he meant.
1: No, so I had to go look up because I was like, I don't remember there being a race called the Kumarians in, in either show. Well, he's talking about the the Kumar, the the bad terrorist country from the West Wing. Lamest race there.
0: Uh, I'm going to have to say... Gosh, I wouldn't even choose any of these. I would really? choose the Drazi. Oh. <laughs> okay. I still think they're lame. I'm going to go
1: with the Paklin. They're the ultimate looters. They're an entire race of looters. They're incredibly successful at that. Why won't you recognize it? I recognize how successful they are. That makes them lame.
0: <laughs> Aaron?
1: He went with oh, the yeah, fishers, yeah, yeah, and oh, That's humans. right,
0: that's right. Um, okay, let's see here. Who wins? The Romulans, the Centauri, or the Democratic Party? So, my question is, what's the battleground for, for this? I'm going to go with the
1: Romulans. I, I, I assume that they're going to win, no matter what the contest is, because they're going to be the most
0: underhanded about the contest. Sure, the Democrats are just going to tax the heck out of everybody.
2: <laughs> see, I went with the Centauri, because the Romulans claim to be the Romulan star empire but there's never really any evidence that there's this giant empire well we certainly the, don't see
0: whereas but the of have,
2: there's proof that they were a giant empire they, you know, they subjugated an entire other race well the
1: reason there's no proof is because it's all on the other side of the neutral zone
2: that's it we need
0: Star Trek um, Romulan <laughs> Star Trek behind the lines <laughs> <laughs> I like that one uh, I'm gonna choose Romulans as well. They're super powerful. Um, who wins? The Klingons, the Narns,
2: or the Republican Party? The Narn. Um, the Klingons? Well, it would be an epic battle between the Klingon and the Narn. Um, the Narn only have this weird snake dance. Whereas <laughs> the Klingons, you know, once you get hand-to-hand, they've, they at least have the Batleth.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say the Republican Party. <laughs> They are vicious. <laughs> if, just look at the infighting between members of the Republican Party. Uh, okay. Who do you want to write the movie that tells the story of your life? So I, I
1: don't know if you followed the thread on the Facebook page, but the idea here is
0: you have to assume the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Which so the is the worst episode by these people? Brandon Braga, John Sackrett Young, or Larry DeTilio.
2: Yeah. Aaron? Yeah. Which one? Oh, I I thought that was your answer, was (laughs) yeah. I'm asking you. That's the
0: list.
2: (laughs) I like the idea that Aaron was thinking. Crap, alright, I guess I'm going to have to write the story of Joey. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Larry D'Italio. You want him? Well... I want you all to suffer through Uh, (laughs) it. I see. Where where it's even worse because it's about my life. Which is not something anyone wants to watch. You truly are a looter, man.
1: (laughs) Um, What do you you think, Joey? I'm going to go with John Sackert Young. As bad as his stuff was, at least I'm not going to end up with (laughs) Subrosa. And I'm not going to end up with a spider in the web.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with Brandon Braga on this one. I, I, You want Subrosa the story of your life. <laughs> I think he had much of all of the stuff that he did, his stuff was at least better than the rest of the other two but guys. But that's not worst case scenario. You're planning best case. Oh, plus what? Is uh, that, all
2: I have here is the names. I don't right. have their actual episodes. Plus, plus there's at one point in Pete's life where he had that poltergeist lover. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is like last week.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Aaron, I told you that in private.
0: Uh, all right. Who from this list would you want as your right hand? Riker, Worf, LaForge, Leo, Josh, Sam, Ivanova, Lanier, and Veer. Pete? I'm going to have to say I want Riker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. He's He has way more information about how things are going on he's more like emotionally balanced than josh as much as i love josh Uh um and he is just as much a captain as you know captain picard is he could totally run i don't think josh could easily step into the shoes of you know the president of the united states and i i you know lanier is flawed they screwed him up so i don't want him Veer is great, but he's just going to do whatever I ask him to do. Sure. I want someone to you know, really question me on things. Ivanova, I think, is terrible. <laughs> uh, okay. Sam is just too pretty. Okay. Leo, he's just going to die. <laughs> oh. <laughs> too early, man. Too soon? <laughs> too, soon? too soon? Yeah. Laforge is blind. I, I can't have okay. any cripples with me. No? No. <laughs> too harsh. Too harsh. harsh.
2: <laughs> too harsh from you. I would expect that from Joey. <laughs> and uh, uh, uh,
0: and Wharf would just get beat up all the time. <laughs> okay. All right.
3: Uh, I'm
2: going with uh, Sam Seaborn. I'm Josh Lyman. Sam? I'm Josh Lyman. Give me some Sam Seaborn. I, I would say to you, just Pete, uh, just don't take him out with you as a wingman. He's still a Uh I went with LaForge. Forge. Oh, really? Yeah. He uh defend. He always seemed like a <laughs> capable person. He's the only person to look out a window. <laughs>
0: hey, good point. Our sensors aren't awesome enough. Yeah. Go look out of a window for a while. Would you tell us what you see? <laughs> Blind guy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, blindy. <laughs> uh, okay, next one. Who would you prefer to be your boss in your current job? Yes. Uh, Picard, Bartlett, or Sheridan? I'm
1: gonna go with Sheridan. He has the, the the level of trust in his underlings that I would want. Uh you know, both Bartlett and Picard have a tendency to step in and do the job for
0: them. Don't buy that, but okay. okay. You like
2: Sheridan. Picard? Aaron? You're uh, Picard definitely has that like fatherly kind of way about him
0: yeah i I think sheridan and bartlett are too flawed i like the perfection of picard you know he he set up as you know this really awesome amazing guy you see we're never given any like character flaws about picard that much except for he always goes
1: on the away missions he doesn't trust his own people to go do the away mission
0: what
2: Riker goes down on those all the time Although I will admit, uh, uh, in thinking about this, one of the things I saw, the reason, one of the reasons I like Picard is Sheridan wouldn't put up with me. (laughs) That's a good point. That's also why I would pick Sheridan, because he would not put up with Aaron. (laughs) So
0: that one actually made me think. All right. Which head of security got beat up the most? Worf? Garibaldi or that Secret Service guy who got shot in the hand during the assassination attempt, but didn't break a sweat. Dwarf. Dwarf. Okay, so I went with, I, I interpreted the word most as
1: most significantly, not the most often. Who got beat up the worst? And I think Garibaldi. He almost got killed. He got shot in the back by his his number number one guy. I almost he did died. Get, from he it. did get shot in the back. He got shot in the back and almost died from it. Okay. And so I took that the word "most" to mean, in the worst way. And I, I think Garibaldi wins. Okay.
2: Wharf well, did have that one point where he was trying to get Riker to kill him.
1: Uh, okay. Because he was
2: paralyzed. <laughs> Although yeah. I don't think that was a fight; it was some accident.
0: Yeah. Okay. What is your favorite tragic flaw? Some suggestions might include, but are not limited to. Garibaldi's alcoholism, Josh's post-traumatic stress disorder, or Data's inability to understand emoticons? <laughs> emoticons. <laughs> Substitute your own if you don't like that choice. It's a winky face,
2: I'm just not seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that, dude. Wink! Pete?
0: Um, I am going to go with... I need more time to think about it. Okay.
2: Aaron? As soon as you said it's not limited to that, I thought it was. If, <laughs> if, it's, if it's not limited to that, I'm going to go with Lanier. Oh, yeah. really? His love for for, for uh, D'Lynn just, I mean, it ruined him in the end.
1: Okay. I am going to go with Londo's inability to see his choices mm. for what they are. That they are choices. The allowing himself to be to believe that he's being railroaded into a series of events early on in the course of Babylon Five, all the pain and damage and destruction that that flaw causes, I think, is the most tragic thing out of all the series.
0: Yeah, that, that's pretty good. I, I think I'm going to go with Josh, but not the post-traumatic stress stuff. Okay. I'm going to say his inability to be able to trust other people enough to you know get the right people around him. You know, basically where he crashes at the end. Gotcha. You know that—that's yeah. I for me. That's that's more tragic. Okay, for me. Okay, that's the list. That's Does the anybody list? have anything else they want to bring up? I I posted everything I came up with. So, okay,
1: I'm good. Pete, you got anything? No, I got nothing. Well, I think I think as uh, as a whole, this podcast has been a success. I'm sad to see it go. Thumb up. <laughs> Thumb up. <laughs> you Yeah, know, I'm gonna go out and say two thumbs up. <laughs> uh, no, we're we're moving
0: on to. We're gonna have we're gonna have a couple of uh, palate cleansers. Yeah. Not TKO or Gray Seventeen is missing. We're gonna do a poetry podcast. So guys, look forward to you know sending some poetry stuff that you guys like. Yeah. Um. Uh. Nothing free verse. I would appreciate. Um. <laughs> oh, I like some E.E. Cummings now and then. We're gonna do some uh, maybe a couple of movie podcasts, and then we're also gonna move into. Uh, Studio 60, that'll be the
2: next nice. uh, TV series that we do yeah. <laughs> Studio City Studio
1: City <laughs> Well that brings us to the end of another episode of The Homestarmy Presents Trek West 5 We hope that you've learned something had some laughs and we always invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at Homestarmy.com. or you can tweet us at hashtag trekwest5 or call and leave us a voicemail at 801-788-4913 so until next time, I am Joey and I am Peter and thanks for listening.
3: Morning sun, it's good to see you again. So good to see you again. on